G'day Loon Smashers, AOS Coach here, and we are talking Gloom Spike Gits in third edition, uh, not third edition, General's Handbook 2023. Well, it is still third edition. It's all third we, edition. <laughs> all roads lead to fourth whenever that comes up, but we are still in third edition. And I'm here with Dale Irvin, who is a top-performing Gloom Spike Gits player, someone who has many, many consultants in his, uh, his Loon Asylum. But I wanted to revisit the Gloom Spike Gits in 3rd Edition. Now, we are a couple of hours as of recording away from the release of Dawnbringer's book Series 2. So there is no current discussion about the, the Troll King, but there will be one coming up in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned on that. We'll talk a bit more about the Troll King. But I want to talk to Dale because there's been a little bit of stuff that's happened, right? We've had some battle scroll changes when it comes to Gits. We obviously have this new Entorian Locus in uh, GBH23. There's been a few other changes here and there, including the new unit, the Rabble Rouser. So I thought this was a good time to get into the book, kind of revisit this and say, where are we standing right now? And what are our preferences and our choices as we bring our Gits list to the tournament scene? But before we get into all the rules and uh, get into our thoughts around the, the, the book, I thought, Dale, do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Where are you from and why Gits? Why is Gits one of the greatest armies since ever? In fact, it's ever. Uh, all, of all time, because they're the cool one. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having me, Coach. Um, I play out of Winchester, Virginia with Odam. Uh, get to play a lot on the East Coast events with the FLG stuff, Atlantic City, Cherokee. Just got out of Nova, had a great time. Uh, Gits is the fun army. That's why it's the best. Just like everybody will kind of ponder like, oh, why squigs? Why this? Why that? It doesn't matter what you're doing. Like Gits are the fun one because they're just, they're Gits. They, they, you can turn the brain off and have a rockin' time. You can get super technical and have a rockin' time. They've got all the tricks you could ask for. Like what what's not to love? <laughs> I think for me, the other thing as well is the painting. Like I don't think I've had as much fun painting an army as I had with Gits, whether it is the squigs whether it's like the Palooza and the character or even something like Scragrod, the Fungoid Cave Shaman's an absolute blast. There's so much character in these models that alone it's fun to paint. And then when, when you put them on the table, they're so much fun. Like they're just ridiculous. Yeah. There's so many, it's all the little goofy details too. Like the one trawl that's holding up the dude with a big bogle eye, like going on, like th there's just so many spicy things and they've got, there's a million ways you can screw with them. Like you can do a spider cave underneath a base for all the spider stuff. If you wanted trogs and all the mushrooms, it's just, it, they're bright. I did a lot of armies before that was a lot of khaki and Brown. And, <laughs> and I said, you know what? It sounds great. Color, like primary colors and they're rocking in them. <laughs> My favorite two models, I've got to admit, is either the uh, the Loon Smashers, where you've got the vomiting little goblin, like the little guy. Yeah, the, the guy base. that's just on the base. He's so good. I, I wish he was something. And then yeah. um, on the Mangler Squig, the little goblin who's holding for dear life, yeah. I have bought him from like third-party resellers about five times, put one on my Mega Gargan, I put yeah. him everywhere. Like, he's such There's a that one goblin. that's like jumping off too, the little styling. who's like, run! <laughs> Oh, there's so much fun. So, like, it's if so you're good. if even you're not not playing kids, like, go pick the, the, this army. Go, go pick up even a warband. You go paint a Gobapalooza and enjoy your life. <laughs> oh my god, the Gobapalooza, like this the scary one, and like Boggle yeah. Eye, and like they're just so cool. They're so good. <laughs> All right, so but not only are they cool to paint, they actually perform really well, and they probably 
did really well at the start of 2023 and there was a few rules that kind of reined in a little bit. So this will be a good discussion as well because I know you've done very well in the tournament scene. Uh, my last tournament that I played, I went 4-1 with my bad snatchers. So nice. I'll share with you a little bit as well, like how I'm looking at this. And I know Dale and I have some competing ideas and that's cool because you can take away uh, what you like from this discussion. And the best thing is it's such a deep book that there is no one way to play. You know, there are people who are running pure trolls. There are people who are running pure goblins or squigs. Then you're kind of seeing a mixture of the two. You're seeing people do all wacky and wild stuff with this book. So I think that's the the cool and fun thing for me. Um, and, you know, no two lists have to be the same. Yeah. there's it, The great part about the whole book is you can pick any of them and you can even pick mashup and it's going to work. Like they've got so many pairs and so many combos and so many of the buff units affect every get, not just their type. Like, for example, uh, Spore Splatters, they're getting everybody. It's not Grot specific or it's not Squig specific. But they've done well since the book came out, essentially because they've got all the fundamentals. You've got great War Scroll abilities on good melee profiles, and you've got great buff units to flush out the rest. And so it's as long as you're putting together a game plan, you can execute on that, and it's got enough juice behind it to work. It's not going to suddenly come up and be like, oh, I'm out of gas. I didn't have something that functioned, you know? So they there was a lot of times um, in uh, February, March, uh, my round five at the higher end tables was another gets and it was a mirror match we was just kind of walking around, hey <laughs> turn the brain off time <laughs> like it's just they're and they're all different i never matched another squig player that was also doing the same thing you know yeah it was just there's yeah. so much diversity in it it's funny i remember being at adepticon in second edition and i my last game was against uh nathan prescott uh, honest war game of fame yeah. and uh, it was a gits off and we had like two loon shrines i think at the yeah. time like the buffs were overlapping so it was just like mm -hmm. having a laugh with where the bad moon goes and like everyone's yeah. battle shock immune it was just some absolute ridiculousness <laughs> that obviously has changed by the way uh but yeah. at the time like even a gits off is just incredible four moons flying in like majora's mask coming down when the I played at a GT in February like that, and it was the same thing. And that guy was doing the, like, throw two mangler squigs across the board. And so he threw his up. They then exploded all over me. And then I threw my squig herd up, and they exploded all over him. Because <laughs> so we were just like, ah, it's just, just missiles. Just throw them out. <laughs> it's just such a good time. Um, yeah. When, actually, before we get into, like, General's Handbook 2023 and maybe just, like, your general feeling, how do you look at lists? Because I know this is probably one of the biggest challenges, right? is the old book conditioned us to go all squigs, all trolls, all goblins, like very much like it was very, very mono-focused. Now it feels like it's really opened up and it is encouraging you to have a blended force in some capacity, whether you take a little bit of everything, whether you go a core of something and then build around something else. So, for example, a core of trolls and then you build some squigs or spiders. How do you look traditionally at list building for um for for your gits? Nine times out of ten, and it's not even like gits specific. It's just in general when I try and brew something together, it's where's my core? Let me think of that concept, kind of like I was talking about before. It's like, do I want to make the big squig herd block that never wants to die and does a billion damage work, or do I want to do waiting trolls and I've got nine rock guts that are going to hit everything under the sun? You know, and a lot of those are melee focused because a lot of the get stuff that comes out and is like, here's what's actionable. Here's what's going to achieve a goal is some form of a melee interaction. 
and then you say, all right, cool. So I've got this big squig herd block and the 200 or whatever points of buff that goes with it. Now I need something faster to go tag an objective. Oh, I need something that'll stand in a line and die for me like Stabas so that I'm not getting alpha because an alpha army is popular right now. It's really like develop the core, then find the packages that flush it out. And the great thing is Gits works in like twos and threes super well. There's those units that operate everywhere. So like Spore Splatters can help everyone. Gabapalooza can help everyone. But then there's also, I can insert six Rog Cuts and a Trog Boss if I feel like I need a higher end output. And that's just a nice two unit combination for a couple hundred points and they just sock it right into a corner of the list. Same idea with, I did the trick. I revived it a little bit with new gets, but it was an old start of V3 trick for uh, Iron Jaws was just take the one big spider and it drops in. <laughs> you can just insert that nice little sub 200 point guy and say, yeah, I've got a decent monster that can threaten your backline and can do a tactic, can score a back objective without me having to just throw myself over there. Yeah. They've, they've got so much that can just work off of one war scroll, two war scroll that you can just sock it in pairs. Yeah, I dig it. I know when I've talked about this, actually, even when I talk about it with cities, because cities and gits now have a very similar feel to me. Um, when I look at this, I always try to build a force that's about at least 60% of a core. So well, 50, even sometimes even 50, it's like a, a, a dual force. But mm-hmm. at minimum, I'm always kind of like focusing around 60% or 70% of my focus is like grots or squeaks or trolls. And then there's always gaps, right? Like, you know, I, my uh, spiders aren't very durable, so I need some trogoths to help, or I need some screens to your point where I just can't absorb a, a round one attack. Like my yeah. my uh, squeak herd, I don't want to absorb a damage initially, so I'll have a, wa- a wave of 20 or 40 grots, and then the mm-hmm. squeaks can then charge in and, and do some stuff with jaws or whatever, right? So I always try to think about it that way, but you, you call that a really good point as well. I just want to highlight and that is power pairs or power trios, where at minimum you want to think about those traditional forces, whether it is like your grots, your stabbers. It's like who really supports the stabbers, and that might be your loon boss on foot. But then you have some utility where you've got your um, your uh, uh, snufflers, you've got your um, gobapalooza, those things that could buff multiple units. Even the loon boss on foot can help with like your some of your squeak units like your boing boing grots and your uh, your hoppers so there is utility and, and and trios you can make to kind of really make the force stronger mm-hmm. and there's places where i think you can do the trios as mixtures you know like we're talking about like you know if i'm doing the trog package like that where it's boss six trogs or boss six trogs and three fell waters or something you know those are all trogs and i throw them in a goblin list and yeah that's a mix but what if you're looking at boss six rocks and snufflers because then you can give the ward on the boss and they rock up and they've got a good damage resistance and a big plug with something that's got some extra pile in there. Same thing with uh, Spore Splatters, because you can rock Spore Splatters up behind the rock cuts and they'll lift whatever they're looking at, <laughs> you know? And then just the, the ones that are area effect, it's not super common. I think it's really just Gobbapalooza 9 times out of 10 because the big minus to hit bubble. Mm. But if you plop something like that in, you can say, well, I'm playing a squig package, but I know I want something to stand in the way, so I'll take Stabas. I'll insert Gobapalooza because they give me area minus one, and because I know I'm minus one, those rock guts that are sitting beside them as well are going to be minus one to hit on top of their five-up board and having all the health they could dream of. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool, and this is kind of where, you, to your point, you can play a very simple gits list, which is just like, 
your squigs run forward your trolls run forward but then you can lean into some of the uh the sneaky stuff whether it's the movement through the spiders and i've seen a few few armies bringing in just one even one big spider as a threat piece mm -hmm. or you go into like the the sneakiness and the the tricks that come in from the grot side so Either way, however you like to play. I always feel like sometimes I play my gits like I'm Lumineth, which is a brain drain. Like by the end of day one of a tournament, my head yeah. is done like a uh, like a Lumineth player. And they're like, what are you whinging about? It's Grotz. I'm like, nah, man. <laughs> start a phase here. Start a movement. Sacrifice this. This here. This here. Like this aura of 12 inches, 18 inches. I'm like, oh. my head is I show up to the time. table. I've got 12 effects before I even put my tray down. <laughs> yep. Sometimes they can get big brain like that, but the nice thing is, and again, why why all these pairs and simple inserts work is they're like, this unit has just this great insert war scroll ability that it's just, as long as I'm keeping track of my bubbles and I know, you know oh, this one's the attacking one, this is the defending one, they, they kind of make themselves work out just fine. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Um, so what I want to talk to you now about like, uh, is actually General's Handbook 2023. So we are in the land of Antor. It is about this wizardy, magic-y type thing. And we'll get into the rules in a minute and kind of start breaking it down a little further. But at a very high level, we are now, what, three months into the General's Handbook. How are you feeling about this GBH? with gloom spike gets are we well positioned are we at the bottom like struggling because you know obr and and soul blight and and seraphon are eating our lunch like where are we yeah it it's interesting because the every pack that comes out says we're here to buff x and then they give a bunch of stuff that hates x like we did the whole uh galley vet thing and then we got all the abilities that said hey, actually we're going to kill galley vets twice as fast the wizard stuff, you've got great wizards because you've got so many cheap ones that have got good spell access. Skagrot is phenomenal every day of the week, but everyone that's out there can play enough magical suppression to turn a lot of that stuff off because you're usually, what, plus one to cast kind of deal where they're, oh, I've got plus four. Oh, I'm re-rolling. There was a list out there the other day that was Soulblight and Gash, and he's just saying, yeah, I've got plus three. You can, you can just sit there. And so they they're not hurt they still function but there's armies out there that are going to shut down certain aspects of what you're trying to do anymore you know resilience in soul blight and obr hurts that melee focus that the army really drives on and then you rock into seraphon you say oh cool i'm never going to use skagrot's laser this game at all but if you can manage to get around the version they're hurting you with you know, they've got a lot of legs still. You know, you go into OBR and say, actually, I'm going to do a spell snipe with Skagrot and play a lot more board on objective, a lot more bodies out than the OBR player because they've got a block of six guys. It counts as 12. We've mm -hmm. got 40 Stabas. <laughs> They're going to sit there for a while versus, you know, oh, it's Seraphon. I'll charge the frog. I'll charge the skinks and roll through the skinks. And there's, I took the Mangler out a while ago. Because what I saw out there, as well as running into, didn't benefit from me hopping over their lines. Now, I really want to hop over people's skink lines. <laughs> it, it, it's actually interesting you say that because the Mangler has been in this weird position. And we'll bring up the rules and we'll talk about it. You know, whether it's Fight Another Day, whether it's the Giant Boing. But in the past, there hasn't been as much of a reason to jump across and get into that juicy center. It feels like... This particular general's handbook is encouraging more people to castle up as opposed to split out their. Not to say every army, but just you're seeing it more and more. 
Yeah. And that's a great example of where we might not have run the Mangler in the past. Now it's worth considering whether it even is a Mangler without a Loon Boss. It could just yeah. actually be worth as that throwaway piece, get into that juicy center. Yeah, and a lot of it, a lot of it early gets book back at the end of the last pack was well i can take the trog boss as the monster with the ward and that helps with my grand and then that gives me access to rampages but if you weren't going to play that trog boss and you were saying you i was going to do goblins or i was going to do squig squig especially that gave you access to rampages and when Mm. other gets are out all the time whoever smashes the loon shrine first wins (laughs) and so that was just oh yeah i've got something i can immediately threaten the enemy loon shrine with and there were a couple other factions that liked their terrain piece, but nobody was really castling. Lumineth was the only example, and that was a good help for it. But now that we're in, you know, Korn's got several lines of meaty dudes in front of their stuff. OBR's got Catacross tucked away in the back corner. Uh, there's a Nagash sitting somewhere who's going to teleport away at the end of the phase if only you could do 16 damage before he did. If you just throw a big tomato across the board and you get over that little zombie pile into a corpse cart, that's value. You know, that's uh, what Seraphon does into soul blight is reach over the zombies and pick up the heroes and the corpse cart and the buffs, throw a mangler over, pick up the corpse cart and the buffs. You know, yeah, it's a good, it's a good shout. Like, cause I know some people are wondering like, how do we beat the top armies? And I know for me, one of the, the biggest challenges or at least the mindset shift is when I face corn because corn yeah. is punishing and it will kill all my idiots. Like yep. my five wound, you know, fungoid cave shaman, my madcap shaman, scraggy. If you do a miscast, that corn uh, terrain piece will punish yeah. you. Then they double down with that null stone adornment, which then makes you miscast on one, twos, or threes. Yeah. That's a bunch of dead wizards. They so, just sit there. They do. They do that little. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm eating good today. Because uh, you play the big squig herd, you move forward once, and now you're in flesh hounds for the rest of time, and your mm-hmm. unit's just stuck. And they're so good at pinning down that front line that the back stuff can't do enough against that they can just gob you down faster than zombies would. But like flip flip that script over, Seraphon, man, Seraphon really loves to remind me what my bravery characteristic is. Because they just say, oh, I'm going to hit like every goblin unit twice and you're losing the rest of Battleshock. And I'm like, well, I guess. <laughs> so, Soul Blight's the same with Spirit Gale. It's like, yeah. everyone takes a wound or a two and then all of a sudden it's chipping away. So... It's interesting because everyone uh, will fight in very different. There's no silver bullet on how you build a list. But a point you made earlier on is that you really shouldn't just focus on one particular area. You can't rely on Scraggot's Mortal Wounds to win you a game, right? You've got to have a couple of key threats and having different threats to handle different situations, whether it is zombies and how do I get the corpse cut? How do I disarm Catacross and, and you know shut down OBR? Uh, or if they're using like the uh, the Gothasar Harvester, if they happen to be, you know, not that they yeah. do that anymore, but like how do I reach out and get mm-hmm. like, the Croak and, and the um the Seraphon Wizards and each of them have a different solution to the problem and you know, do I need to get a triumph? Do I need to have X? Do I have Y? So a lot of good discussion, but I think long story short, we are in a pretty good spot. We're not the oppressors anymore. There was a time where like we were the big bads and the rally Gits was a dirty word for a few months, yeah. Yeah, it's actually funny because like I actually stopped playing Gits for that reason. I'm like, man, like I love my squigs. Squigs are really good, but they're just so dumb. I'm going to pause them for a little bit and now I'll come back to them. I absolutely love them and they're a bit, a bit better. They're definitely better. They're not – people aren't whinging as much. They've got like – yeah. Uh, 
OBR's got more of the focus. Yeah, I'm not ashamed to say I reveled in it. I put in my time in V2. I had the Loon Shrine before the book came out. I said, yes, this is our day. We're going to hit stuff. <laughs> I, I I was conservative and I only played with 24 Squig Herd. I never did the 36. Oh, no, was, actually, that's a lie. No, no, sorry, that's a lie. I did, do, I did do 36. What am I talking about? Sorry, I'm a liar. I, <laughs> I, did. I did two five O's with the 36 block being an absolute jerk. <laughs> Jaws of Mork, Lu, Lu, uh, the Squig Boss. Uh, Hello, I would love attack. to roll 150 attacks. Like... I, I did that against some Chaos Warriors with the Nurgle bat. I'm like, lol, 100, like, he's a bunch of mortals. A, a Slaves of Darkness player walked 10 Chosen forward and said, they've got all the save buffs in the world, and we've got a 6-up war, and I said, cool, put them back in the box. <laughs> and he just, he just sat there and watched. Uh, I was going to say, Slaves, you, you forced us to do it. Like, I'm just retaliating. Uh... <laughs> you're the bad guys you don't get to whine <laughs> so let's look at our allegiance abilities first this is going to be a mixture of our abilities and the general's handbook so we'll be jumping context as we go through but when you look at your gits army and we have our basic allegiance abilities we'll pause the sub faction stuff for a second mm. when you look at these are there any particular um abilities that you are leaning into or you are finding are most valuable right now it the, the easy one to always go into is you open the book and go, okay, where's the damage buff? And that's that's Lunar Squig, you know? All, all the Jaws stuff is going to help you out and just saying, oh, I can run in charge, so all my damage is threatening everywhere. It, it obviously just makes you a very mobile striking force all the time. But then as you read more into it, it's the same plays of that, you know, oh, if I'm Trogs, I've got better resilience if I'm around my stuff. Frothing Zealots is always underrated because just saying I'm going to put back all my it used to be all my health now it's 10 of my health which mm -hmm. on all your line units is still half the unit if they did not pick that thing up you are now a death player and you just put it all back it the best part is they're all active at the same time so the blends work if i'm playing stabas for guarding lines behind a bunch of squigs my guarding lines will then move out of the way squigs will run and charge all the distance they need in the world and then next turn i put all of the grots back <laughs> they just they're 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 all good, except spiders. <laughs> I hate to say, uh, it's just they're cruel boys, which for a long time was a joke, but they're kind of popping back up. But if I was gonna do mortal wounds, there's other stuff that has more swings with the same trigger, you know? Yeah, like for me, like I wish I could come here and give a lot of faith to those focused spider fang units. Now, I'm not saying that you don't take them because I think you've already made a good point. Taking one big spider unit or even actually one thing I've started to see and I've started to play with is actually a good idea is in second edition or before this current book. Actually, no, it was in third edition before this book. Um, I would run a unit of Ripper Snarl Fangs because that was 70 points and they were a good little screen. They've gone up to like 140 points, but a unit of five spiders um, mm -hmm. play the exact same role. If I need a screening, cheap, go get an objective, don't care if they die type unit. Mm -hmm. But would I build around a, a reinforced unit of spiders? Probably not at this stage, unless I was a diehard spider player. Because yeah. you're right, I think for me, I'm just not getting enough benefit versus having this incredibly tough trog unit who can also have all that defense. Or yeah. having like an extra attack and my herd are now at uh, four attacks each on the charge. Or as you've said, you know, rallying on a four plus. Though I do want to ask you, though, one of the conflicting things you've got with the, the Moon Clan 
is that let's say it's in combat, right? I've got, I don't know, five stabbers left in combat. Do I use the battle shock and just let them flee? Do I use inspiring presence, retreat them and try to rally them? Or am I going for like the regeneration from the from the Loon Shrine? And it's an interesting discussion and an interesting like pros and cons. Uh, I know for me, I'm always I have really bad luck when it comes to the Loon Shrine. And I <laughs> if I'm going to do that, I need to go King's Gifts for that reason. Mm-hmm. I ne- I, on one dice, I never regenerate. I swear it's like one out of five at best. Yeah, and I know we're not talking about the sub factions yet, but I, like I've I've been looking more and more at King's Gets. Like this is just going to make several things work a little better because the others are you know um, the Gets one or not the Gets one the Squig one uh, Jaws. It's more damage, but you already do plenty of damage. If you wanted an extra thing of damage, take Trogs, it, or I could just have all of them a second time. And it becomes that question of you're exactly right when you've got like five sitting there. It's sad to say there's no like fast and set answer to be like, yes, you always want them. No, you always don't because, oh, well, if I get them out of here and I have no units to respawn, I've definitely got one to respawn because I'm playing into respawn. Or if it's the bottom of a round and they'd still hold something in combat, so that's not going to come hit the rest of me on their double potential double turn. I definitely want them to stick around. I think slightly it favors keeping them there. Because I think there's a lot of ways you can manage your own pace when playing Gits to ensure that you're keeping up with the Gits math in the Battleshock phase. Because you're almost always looking at yourself like, well, if I've built my list to have enough units to fulfill how much I'll be respawning, I should be kind of pacing how aggressive I am with them on that fact. Because then I can say, I've got another turn coming up. I haven't lost anything. Let's let's throw these boys up there and try and pick up some value and make them deal with them so that now I've got a respawn back. And if you're not in a point where you're behind that clock and you haven't resummoned yet, you can say, well, I'm going to keep these up here because I know I've got another unit coming down the pipeline. Yeah, that's my mentality, especially because as well you regenerate at the end of the Battleshock phase. And if I lose that priority role, um, those five goblins that I've, I've inspired presence can still screen they can yeah. still help me claim an objective or retain an objective. There's so many things that I can possibly do, let alone if obviously if when I rally them and there's all these little things right now, I always find that the value, because I do see some people go, oh, there's only five left. I, I'm, I'm just going to let them run away and regenerate them. And for me personally, I would rather the five, unless it's super critical. I've gone King's Gits. I want to regenerate them and then sling them forward. But that's like a couple of turns away. And, or I'm like, I I need to get more bodies on a home field objective. You paid good hard earned points for those boys. Make them stick around. If you save them and then retreat out by your opponent's next turn, you've almost got your whole unit back. (laughs) They they just keep popping up and especially stabbers minus one to hit or any line that's got the four up rally because you are able to either minus one to hit with Netta's or you're minus one to hit with the Gabapalooza, and there's so many accesses to wards, you can just say, oh yeah, my line is now three inches back this way, but it's still as effective as it was. They've got to spend another turn devoting 200, 300, 400 points into picking up the same 120-point unit, and then you go and collapse on it because it's now convenient to you, and you're winning that trade. I, I think we both agree, which is... Uh, but hey, it's not the only way. I think it's situational yeah. and dependent, but 
Um, for me, I'm always wanting to keep them around as much as possible. Yeah. But there's other there's other cool rules, right? And I think probably a couple of things I'd call out as well is that we have had a change to rally. If you weren't familiar, you now can only rally up to a maximum of 10 wounds. So um, even though that the, you can issue rally three times, you can only, um, you can only, yeah, you can only bring up to 10 wounds, which devalues the, uh, the, the grot stabbers, for example, like when you are from 40 down to five, you can't regenerate 20, which kind of makes sense to be honest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> A lot of the times, and part of it's my preference, I run uh, 20 wound sets a lot of the time. Just because, you know, I my stabbers don't need to be that much thicker. There's a lot of credit to taking the 40-man block and saying it's going to hold an objective from longer range for longer. That's what I go. do, by the way. I've always got a unit of 40. Mm -hmm. I'm someone who keeps the 40. But yeah, I'm investing say, in it. I'm investing in that yeah. unit. And it's not a bad investment because if you've got Skagrod or another capable wizard that says, I can do hand whenever you feel like, you can just say, I'm taking that objective. Because you just go up there, you've got the longer capping range, and you can put up to 40 guys on that thing. No one's stopping you from taking that objective at that point. They've got a great utility for it. But that is an investment. And if I've capped my rally to now where if I put that investment up, I'm not as consistent with it because if i have to then retreat back and i'm now getting fewer guys on the objective and i'm not generating as many backs my durability is not up it, it's a contest but you know i think boing grots work really well in tens 15s were popular for a long time because that is a lot of health on a good save and you could give it the ward the five up from the uh snufflers and it made them really resilient five mans you can do a lot of mortal splashes almost like you're playing a cavalry list but 10, 10 picks up a good amount and does fair mortals and are still cheap enough to take multiple. So if I'm doing 10-man Boingrots, that's 20 wounds. If I'm doing single 20 Stabas, that's 20 wounds. I'm always getting half of my unit back with a rally. So if you're not just if you're not wiping a unit, I'm now a death player and I just stand half of it back up every turn and say, haha, I'm still efficient, you know? It it helps against Seraphon, and whenever somebody shows up that's playing the Maelstrom, they wrath me, I lose three more to Battleshock, and then I put them back. And mm -hmm. I my 10-man unit's now not three, it's six again, and has a good chance of picking up most lines. I like it. And obviously, you know, when they're under the light of the Bad Moon, it's more than just the actual Moon token. It's going to be through your Loon Shrine, it could be from Scragrot, it could be the Malevolent Moon. There's lots of sources of Moon, not just one particular thing. So, if you fight against Seraphon, you fight against Soulblight with Spirit Gale, or something that can kind of chip damage across the board, think about your Moon sources, so uh, that can help you mitigate a little. Mm -hmm. Anything else you'd call out on this particular page? Like for me, uh, now that I've played more with my trogs and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a squig and a grot kind of guy, um, giant boing is interesting and um, I've enjoyed giant boing with my loon boss on Manglar, especially if I do fight another day. Um, mm -hmm. Wade and Smash has been helpful. It's situational to fight in the hero phase yeah. um, or do something in the hero phase. Yeah, Wade and Smash... I like it a lot because it's that always you'll never have that turn where you failed to do that last wound uh, unless you really beef your weight and smash and roll the one. But it, it's usually just the ability to free up your guys to then charge again, because, you know, we were talking about those hard matchups. Corn's hard always, but Trogs kind of can shuffle around them a little bit if you've got the right kind of setup for them, because if you've got Fellwaters 
You know, you're able to pick up stuff that may have stickied your trogs in the shooting phase and then still get your charge off. Just ways to try and beat how much they're going to try and tide you back into your own corner. And Wade and Smash just says the same thing. Oh, I moved up or he moved into me and I need to get that like one flesh hound that costs zero points because it was part of the warband off. Boink. <laughs> you know, they don't have ignore for a heroic action. So it's just extra ways to free yourself with a, just, a, just that little bit. <laughs> yeah, Wade and Smash is not going to change the tide, but it has gotten me out of like that one or two wounds that have been holding me up and stops me from moving or my trog boss is kind of pinned, but my, my rock guts are free. So do I want to move them outside of his range? Like there's obviously all these situations, but if I can free him out um, and not have to, you know, retreat from that situation... I found it helpful at times, but would I take a dank old trog boss purely for this rule? No. No, if you're playing trogs, it's great tech. If you can get good at Wade and Smash, there's all the funny things you can do because you, you're you piling in six with it, essentially, on top of then you're piling. That's ways to loop around big lines. You can get into something behind it. And the three-inch doesn't specify the same unit you started in, so it's great for, mm. oh, they've got that that corpse cart back there, I'm going to just kind of, <laughs> I'm going to go over there and fight that now instead, which he'll likely pick up a corpse cart and then he's free again to go hit something else. So it's, it, it gives you more mobility in the slower version of gets not on everything, but on something that could just kind of make that splash. Yeah, I, I like we already talked about giant boying a little bit too. Cause I, it, I think it could be on a comeback. I like the version that's not a hero cause it's cheaper. And then you're just paying for giant boying. Yeah, I like hero version. I like hero version. I think he offers some good stuff, especially if you're investing with the um, the Boingrop Bounders. You want to have that one-two punch, and he does offer. Yeah. He he's a. I can't remember what his ability is exactly, but I remember just getting a lot of value because it used to be back in the day it was like a once per game little bubble for reroll hits. Yeah. But now it's is it plus one to wound or plus one to hit or something? Check it in. I don't yeah, remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm gonna bring it, it up. He's a buff. It's also, there's the Live to Fight Another Day, which was, I loved using that in V2, but now it's there's so many things that can just re-back into me, enough stuff that piles in six, enough stuff that doesn't want to fight me to begin with, and that just lets them out. It's, uh, a, plus one, the it's a plus one to wound, yeah. It's yeah. plus one to wound uh, once per battle across 18. I remember it was an 18-inch bubble, mm -hmm. which is why I was running a couple of Boing Grots to kind of hit at the same time. Uh, it's it's still a good buff, but if you're not doubling down into that and you just want to have an independent threat. Because yeah. he's he's the the other part of it is, and this is why I always did the um the non-hero one when I did put him in, he's 80 points more for a mm -hmm. once per one wound, you know. We wound on threes. Um yeah, we we could be worse, but if you're gonna make that big broad push, it's great because you put a hero up the board. The other one, if you just isolate it because you're throwing it across to get that value with Boeing, it's on its own. It's going to die. But it's that's kind of what it's there for because it explodes when it dies. Maybe it picks up one extra thing when it does. It's just how much value do you put on getting over their line versus do you intend to use it almost like a Maw Crusher and kind of float him in the back until it's time to pounce? I think for me it's a consistency though, Dale. It's uh, if I fail that charge, what what am I going to do to get the re? I don't want my Mangler Squeak to sit there doing nothing, yeah. and my my triumph is normally to ignore Battle Shock as opposed to reroll a charge. Mm -hmm. So like if yeah. I fail that charge or there's a, a redeploy and it just makes that charge harder, I don't want my Mangler to not hit the line. That that's yeah. that's my mentality and why I would pay the extra eighty over 
Mm-hmm. I know what you're saying, and I probably also agree. I, I used to run. Oh no, you're exactly colossal, right. I used to run a colossal squeak for that particular oh, reason. You champion. <laughs> I used to run a power pair of like a poor old colossal squeak. Thoughts and prayers for my my oh. big boy. Yep. R.I.P. Trogoth Hag. She walked so uh, uh, oh, Trog could no. could run. <laughs> <laughs> and my Trogoth Hag, there was points where I get minus 40 hits, but we're going down the uh, second edition route here. Long yeah. story short, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff that uh, probably not a lot of things you want to build around, but definitely, you know, your Trogs, your Squigs, and your Grots. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Spiders, nice complementary rule, but maybe not necessarily why you'd build your force around it alone. But you've got your realm rules, and this is kind of where I want to get into the good stuff here, and mm-hmm. that is what's changed in our thoughts. And by the way, folks, there's been some other changes. I might just do a quick uh, quick, quick change here. I'm going to change screens for a second and bring that up. Oh, yeah. Um, the good there is a couple. There's a couple of other changes probably we, we're worth calling out. Very high level. Dale impacts to unit coherency. I know it's it, it was uh, it's, it's past, but... Love it. <laughs> Because it was it was five man was the line, and so six man rocket traga, six man fellwater traga, sneaky snufflers. They all had to do the three point triangle thing at minimum if they weren't just in a two by three block. Now now we can make the line. We can stand in a big broad shape and take up board space. It's amazing. <laughs> For me, not so impactful because I don't I don't traditionally run a lot of trolls, but when I do oh. run trolls, it's great. For my squigs and for my grots, really not that impactful, but it is a good um, quality of life improvement. Guys on 25s, it didn't make a huge deal, you're right. But the one that um, always shocked me was snufflers. And we'll get to it when we talk to lists too, because snufflers, I think, so someone showed me a list the other day and it changed up how I think about all these buff units and how we use them. And I'm starting to look at snufflers like, oh, they're they're my screen now. They're the stand-in-the-way unit, especially now that they can go single line with a five-up board. They they can take up some board space, and they fill that gap, so maybe I don't need to pay for as many stabbers if my snufflers are filling that gap for my turn one for protection. I have dropped snufflers lately because my last tournament in one game, I rolled three ones in a row. I'm like, okay, Oof. you guys are done. <laughs> like, nah, like, nah. The, the bigger secret to Warhammer is roll big number. <laughs> don't roll ones. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yep. Um, couple of, a couple of other ones you had. We, we've already talked about the rally and um, the impacts mm-hmm. to rallies, so it just means that you can't... Because there were times where Boingrot Bounders or Squig Hoppers were just constantly rallying or your 40 or your 60-man block of, of Grots were just constantly rallying. So um, it just limits you to 10 wounds. That's either five Hoppers or five Boingrots. That is going to be, what, two Trolls at best or mm-hmm. it's going to be 10 Grots. Yeah, I mean, yep. I mean, pretty. Yeah, gone. We we got that one a bit. the The lookout, sir, is my best friend because all of our heroes have the terminal illness called uh, "I'm only five wounds." <laughs> so, you know, just just saying, oh, I don't, I'm not afraid of the KO player now. I'm standing um, approximately nine inches away from my backline, so he will never never give me that uh, angry gun move. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a nice little rule. Uh, just it, just got to remember though that uh, it's going to be outside of twelve. So mm-hmm. um, when you start getting into the thick of combat and you are trying to hug your your units, you, they will become eventually visible. But I know for me, like I've been playing um, with the fungoid cave shaman as my general. I'm I like yeah. to live life on the edge, <laughs> and being able to not be seen um, 
unless you're within 12 inches has been massive for like people trying to snipe my general. You can't see him. So yeah. uh, spell casting Savant or, you know, trying to keep my general protected has been so much easier because mm-hmm. he can't be targeted to your point by KO, by Lumineth, by Daughters, by uh, mm-hmm. Long Strikes. Yeah, they, they have to be into you to get to you and we're a melee army so we love it when they're up into us because then we start to say oh great especially because we've got all the things that we can buff and then throw up board you know when they're getting into our front edge we're still back enough to where we're protected and still have them now within charge range (laughs) the only other call out i'll make to this particular general's handbook one is look there's a couple of changes there rupture um, I don't think we've seen a lot of Cronspine gits lists. Um, you can, but I haven't seen a lot. Probably the most impactful change that happened the last day, or I think it was two days ago, was the change to Merciless Blizzard and Gits, because Gits and Skaven, Gits especially, was probably the worst offender. Um, do you want to talk about the change, or do you want me to go over it? I'll let you do it, with the reminder that Vampire Lord zapped me real bad with it once, too, because they can do the same trick. <laughs> And look, you know, Zinch Zinch in Slaves to Darkness could do it as well. There were other people, but the difference was is uh, we didn't pay the points cost. Ours cost 70 or 65 points, yeah. 65 (laughs) points. All right, so um, one of the rules that happened is you can see their Merciless Blizzard. So Blizzard is that spell with a casting value of 12. It does 46 mortal wounds. We'll talk about it in a second. But the, the change here is that in Gits, in the last couple of months, one thing you could do is use something like Hand of Gork, or in the case of Skaven, you could use a Narhol to ch- teleport. There are like There's other teleport kind of shenanigans in the game, but we could essentially teleport within, within 12 inches outside of 9, throw away a very cheap um, warsp- uh, Web Spinner Shaman for 65 points or a uh, Madcap Shaman for 70 points, and then just go for the blizzard and if it dies it's die who cares 65 points if it doesn't die and it gets off that 46 mortal wounds that'll delete alariel that'll delete a frost lord and stonehorn that'll delete a lot of things so <laughs> it'll delete what it's looking at and it's the greatest thing because it's just again more upboard threats that you can put into your opponent for for 70 points if i said oh i'm gonna just take out your 150 point thing 200 point thing god model uh, yeah do, do it three times put four of them in there yeah <laughs> yeah yeah let alone get the double turn right and then use blizzard again but anyway that has changed so if you were someone who was building around slinging cheap wizards up to do um th- that, that tactic you can't do it you can blizzard still it's just that you can't teleport and then blizzard at the same time you can you'd have to teleport one turn if you win the double turn or the priority roll or whatever uh or someone ignores your wizard and they're still in 12 you did that do it again in the next turn yeah which has changed a little bit the way the way you might look at things because that hand of gork teleport was so brutal it's so yeah. brutal it, it was so good and i i, I wish i had I, you get the full credit you showed me that there's still things i find it gets that i don't expect and sidewinder madcap shaman was definitely one of them and i wish i had gotten it a little bit longer because it was just so funny next weekend I've got a little one day tournament and I was going to try three web spinner shamans in Entorian locust battalion and just sling them. I was just going to do it for lols. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, 
it's the same idea as half of the stuff we do when we're just saying we're, we're just going to throw something across there. We've made the evaluation. It's cheap enough that I don't care when it dies and it's taking something with it. Go. <laughs> we, we talked about this before we went live, right? We, um, you know, one of the, t- the tricks, for example, is teleporting a unit of stabbers, which has a loon smasher, u- a loon smasher fanatic unit in it. Then you mm-hmm. slingshot it. And you set them up within, within three inches outside of six, essentially, because you set yeah. up the grots within outside of nine three inches makes it a six inch charge if you fail those those fanatics are going to die but if they hit uh my gosh do they hit you just you sling things forward as it gets player and you hope for the best it's like playing at a casino with like a slot machine it's just like i don't know what's going to happen but we're going to have a good time if you want to be good at gets you just do simple subtraction and say is my thing that i'm killing to kill this thing cheaper than the thing I'm killing. And then you'll suddenly win games. Or you can be like us and just say, yeah, get, get, go get them. <laughs> just just yeah. go hit that thing. <laughs> Basically, my conversation with my opponents are like, what does your army do? I said, I don't know. Because they could do this <laughs> or they could do this. I don't yeah. know what's going to happen on the game. But see. like, mm-hmm. uh, And the opponent always thinks worst case scenario. But we, we, we digress. Um, we let's digress talk. Uh, we, <laughs> this, this, I told you, Gits are a fun army. It, um, it's the fun army. Uh, it's yeah, one of the fun armies of all time. Yeah, um, a lot of fun. Entorian locuses. So for a lot of our units, um, especially our wizards, all of our wizards except for Scragrot will be at Entorian locus. So mm-hmm. your uh, web spinner, your fungoid, your not wizard on spider, not Scragrot. Um, your Gobapalooza is not going to be an Entorian locus. Yeah. Any other wizards I'm missing? Is it just those two? Fungoid. Yeah, fun- fungoid and web spinner. There are two cap. primaries. Oh, and the madcap. Yes, yeah, sorry, those three. Mm-hmm. Those three. Yeah. There are three. They, they are essentially Antorian locuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some stuff that happens here, right? So um, when you look at these rules, I'm not going to go over the rules. I don't know why I was going down this path, but um, how do you think about these particular rules? Just the primal magic alone, uh, before you get into the spells and stuff. One thing I didn't rate very high initially with this book that I'm, I'm changing focus on because I've seen the effect it can have is the battalion where it's, I think it's two to three wizards, two are the compulsory ones get an extra primal dice on a three up, four up, three up, three up. You, you can take two of these baby wizards for sub 150 points. It's like, if you take two web spinners, it's 130 and just say, Oh yes, an extra primal dice. I would love to cast Skagrot's laser on a good value that makes sure it goes off and you're not stopping it. I'd love to make sure my hand goes off extra. I'd love to stop your croak wrath. You know, it's just the the primal dice have juice spellcasting on so many things that denying spellcasting is as important as getting it. And that extra primal dice lets you keep denying your opponent, even though we don't typically have as many buffs as they might. Yeah, and I'll talk about it in my list. So I ran a bad snatches with the Antorian Locust Battalion. So I'll talk a bit more about it down the track. But mm-hmm. I found the different. It's easy for us to fill that slot because we normally have these two wizards, uh, or it's very easy to do it. And the the impact that having an extra primal dice or two for me was huge. There was times where we both failed the traditional primal magic dice mm-hmm. roll, and then I got one. And I, I might save it and I get another one. So having a, a, at least one, if not two dice lead on my opponent gave me huge flexibility in denying or casting one and still having one up my sleeve for a denial or putting them all into, and just to 
clarify one point while you can put a primal magic dice on the uh scrygrot spell you don't get extra mortal wounds from it just it's an fy yeah. it's an fyi folks like it's an unmodified cast but it will help you get it off um but it just won't like you, you can't like go 18 or 20 mortal wounds off scrag yeah yeah he's not going to suddenly just pull out every every bit of sauce you could have dreamed he had but it's the the weird thing about the primal dice is the difficulty is always on the caster because God forbid you rolled a one in your first two and now you have to sit there and stare at it and go, really, do I, am I going to gamble? Am I going to try it? And if they do roll a beef like that, say they roll a seven because it's a six and a one, you've got an extra D6 you could just throw in there and say, oh, that's a key spell. I'd love it to not go off. You can You can be so oppressive with it. The inverse side of the coin is we can also play pretty well into the wizard hunters. I've never seen it, you know, come into effect a ton because you got to match up against something playing wizards. But when you don't have anything else to be putting all your foot units in, if you're not doing one drop, they may as well go in it in case, you know, oh, I matched uh, Lumineth, I matched Zinch. Great. I'm going to make sure I get my damage out because you can play plenty of good sub commanders that aren't wizards that fill that slot. Squig boss, uh, the little, not madcap, but the um, loon boss. You know, there's there's great, still very cheap heroes that can enable you that one. The question becomes, when you got the goodness of, I could take an extra triumph if I really need Battleshock, or all the great artifacts and spells and whatnot that are out there, is that worth getting rid of your Command Entourage or Warlord? Oh, Vanguard. You could put you could put a lot of those units into like a Vanguard Battalion or some other yeah. Battalion. So it's the trade-off here. One, one, one rule I just want to call out that's very unique to us versus um, other armies, and this came up a, a few times in my Discord, is um, the second paragraph there when it talks about rerolls. And mm. I've had a few questions come up lately around bad snatches because one of the rules of bad snatches is it allows you to run reroll one of your casting dice. Mm. So what is the impact when it comes to primal magic dice? And it's fascinating because I actually asked a few people, uh, especially like some of the FAQ, AOS FAQ people, some of the, uh, I don't know if you've checked that website, great website. Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of the world's TOs who try to clarify the stuff that Games Workshop hasn't clarified. And the way I play the rule, because I I feel like this is intentional and I try not to exploit the rules, mm -hmm. is that you can't re-roll, uh, you can't use a primal dice when there's a re-roll. Rules as written, you can. You can with bad snatches. Rules as written. Yes. Rules as intended. <laughs> rules as intended. It's one probably or not the other. <laughs> yeah. So I'm always risk conservative. I, I don't play it. If you are going to a tournament, I would ask the, the the TO what's their ruling with bad snatches and the primal dice. Rules as written. Currently, yes, you can. Yeah. I don't agree it, with it. But yeah, it's one of those you you'll find people that definitely are just defaulting it. You'll find people that are defaulting the way you've been running it. And you can't blame either really, because I could, you could just read the paragraph and say, Oh yeah, that's how it works. And without any malice or anything, you just would have thought that's how it worked. But I get the intent being, you know, you've got to decide, do I have that one in there and it's not worth me risking it. So let me reroll and fish for a bigger cast value. It's also, I think bad snatchers is still fine because it's around there for when you roll the snake eyes. It's just, I would love to not miscast, especially against Corn. So let me just prevent that. And I've got the ability to magic dice my key spells when they go off on maybe a six, seven, or an eight. And I know my opponent could try and snap that off. 
yeah, the way I use Bad Snatchers, and again, we'll talk about when it gets to my list, is I use it to get off the non-critical spells. So when I yeah. want to get off Hoarfrost and Merciless Blizzard and Scragrub, that's where I put in my Primal Dice. But things like Itchy Nuisance or any other spell that I want to get off that isn't as important, I found that, one, my opponent ignores it because they want to stop off the big spells. Yeah. But two, uh, it means that I've got more consistency getting those off. And they are important spells. They're just mm -hmm. not the damage-dealing critical spells that I really want to get off. Yeah. And, and it's always... Yeah, and you put you put your opponent in the bind for it, especially if they've only got one of those Primal Dice and maybe they're not Seraphon or something where they got plus four. You know, you can say, well, you've got this shot. You could try and stop my Blizzard that only went off on a 12. Or you could wait and try and stop the Skagrot laser. And now they got to look at it and say, well, it's damage either way. You know, which one do I want to prevent? Maybe they burn it early and now, because, you know, Blizzard's terrifying. And now you've got freedom to reign with all the other ones, critical ones. Or let alone they want to stop um, Hand of Gork. Because, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, obviously before, now it's probably not as important. But I think there's some interesting pieces there. And the fact as well, like whenever I see a one, um, I would just avoid it. Like I just, especially yeah. if I'm getting a primal dice, I pull back because I can't afford my my wizard yeah. to take D three plus three mortal wounds. Yeah, against he does. Corn, it would be D, <laughs> against corn, it's D six plus three. Yeah. Uh, or if you then chuck in that um, that once per game uh, null null the patch null dust that yeah. is like one, two, ones three. and twos and threes. Yeah, no, it's it, you see the one you just say I, I'd rather not, and you accept your fate because especially especially in gets God forbid you you wrath yourself like Seraphon, you're going to take all this battle shock on your own turn, and now you sit there and go, well, I just wish I hadn't. <laughs> Unless yeah, it's I like I have to right now or I lose the game. <laughs> yeah, walk away. That's what I do. Yeah. Just walk away because otherwise you can't afford it. Yep. Do you take any of these command traits, or are you someone who takes more of the uh, the GBH? It's not the general, but the uh, the gits ones. I took Eater of Magic, and then I read Eater of Magic and was sad about it because it could it could have been really fun, <laughs> but then I realized it's a five up, and I said, "Oh, that's that's not worth it." It's the the um, knows all of the Laura Primal Frost spells. I don't think Gitz plays into it very well. I think we've got some very good command traits. Uh, Hello, I would love to roll twice on my Loon Shrine is fantastic. But if I wasn't going to do that, and maybe I wanted to try something tricky with Blizzard setups, Horfrost setups on Squig Herd or Boingrots or Trogs or something, that's the one that I might think about because then I can take it on somebody and I've got a backup or I've got the ability to breach into multiple so that you know, Quran Spines were coming up in popularity a little bit, I think, before Rupture now changed. Now it might not be as necessary, but Rupture definitely told those, hey, sit back down. It was just, did you have it? Mm. You know? and, the, and, the, and the change, by the way, folks, with Rupture is uh, Rupture used to be able to cast on your own Quran Spine. So you'd have a Quran Spine, you'd cast Rupture on it. It then becomes wild. It's plus one to its things. So it's level three now. Now it has to be an enemy Quran Spine. So uh, it's a little bit less valuable, and you might see people who are not Zinch maybe start to pull back on the on the cron spine. So let, let's just see how the meta kind of uh, evolves. Yeah. For me, the Shaman of the Chilled Lands is probably the strongest of the four. But mm -hmm. to your point, do I want it over these? And I think the answer is no. Uh, yeah, for me, so I would ones. rather. I would rather the clammy hand. I'd rather fight another day. I'd rather loon touch. I'd rather mm -hmm. uh, loon skin or even Alpha Trog. There are so many good choices here that I would just rather, 
even super nasty venom if i'm taking a, a spider yeah. leader if I you're the people's champion yeah just get in there and you can run them all they're the thing is some of the ones from the ghb they're very role dependent because i'm going to make them forget the spell on a five up i'm going to ignore my miscast which i'd already have to be primal miscasting and then roll a three up it i could just avoid those situations <laughs> and where all these just say oh i'm going to buff my already great abilities the uh, i think the roll twice on loon shrine by, by and far is so much sauce so much gas I'm playing with twice as much army as my opponent got to play with today. It just helps so many things, but still loon touched. It can have some sneaky spice in there. If you're doing a lot of spell buffing or if you're doing like bad snatchers, because it just says I've got, I've got another one in the tank fight another day. I know it's, it's your big favorite, you know? See, I, I was running Loon Touch lately because then when you add the artifact of uh, the Staff of Sneaky Stealing, when you start combining like Loon Touch with yeah. the Staff of Sneaky Stealing, and um, we'll get to it in a second, it's just like you are you are getting more value than yeah. once per game. On a, at the start of your hero phase on a five up, great. So I'm probably going to get one and a half extra Primal Magic dice over the course of the game. I'm better off just going the Battalion. Yeah. Like, so for me, like no, Shaman of the Shield Land is probably the most interesting. If um, if Chill to the Bone was like every miscast was a, on a three mm-hmm. plus, like once per game three plus, it's like I can still fail it. I'm like, uh, I, nah. There's there's some absolute champion out there that's playing, you know, six wizard bad snatchers with Eater of Magic on one of them, and he's rolling up ready to rock, and then he matches corn, <laughs> and they just get sad. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't want to overinvest because of corn. If corn wasn't doing as well and Seraphon wasn't doing as yeah. well, you'd probably invest more. But right now, it's just like a bad experience. You just get yeah, it's always stuff stuff that's matchup dependent is great for if I'm going to go. Me and my buddy are going to brew against each other and then go slap face, you know. But if I'm if I'm going to go to an event and I'm getting theoretically three or five random opponents, do I want to take one that's dependent on what they put in the list, or do I want to take the one that makes all my stuff work? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. 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 If, you, if you get the big bad at your local game store, sure, go like build a, ta- a tailored list, and you're going to build six wizards all with Blizzard, and you're just going to like try to bl- delete them. <laughs> do you yeah. see yourself in a world where you don't take um, a wizard in your faction? And I guess for me, probably a Trogoth kind of list is going to be... Uh, your one list if you go full wizard so no wizards it's not hard to write off web spinner madcap fungoid because they they're just a bog standard wizard they've got some nice tricks and they play into what you can do with them the big question marks always do i want skagrot and it's not so much just that he's a wizard it's that he's the moon and i can have a mobile moon where i've deployed both sides of my long territory are now in my moonlight. And when I want to move up and make sure I'm getting a long run in charge, I can make sure I'm getting up into that moonlight. In, unless you're going to play without him, which means you're practically playing without half of the moonlight you could have, then you're, you're not going to have null stones. It's, it, I don't think they're missing much because null dust is great. It's funny. It really makes a Seraphon player sit there and scratch their head as they go, well, I've got to roll 18 casts this turn, and how many doubles will I roll in that? But the others, I don't think they're missing much because you're getting unbinds anyway because you have wizards. 
Yeah, yeah. I think if I'm going full trog and I wasn't planning on bringing a wizard, whether it's Scragrot or like a, a fungoid cave shaman and or whatever, um, sure, this is going to be great. And I think to your point, the uh, the one, two, three miscast once per game, especially for like Seraphon. Um, there's a couple of others that, you know, benefits, but just shutting down that one turn can be really good. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, like I, I, I wouldn't purposely build a list without a wizard. I just think there's a lot of good utility whether it is Gobapalooza, whether it is a Fungoid, uh, Web Spinner, Scragrot, uh, Malevolent Moon, if you want an endless spell to kind of keep up with your trolls and mm-hmm. have another source of moon. Yeah, and that's the thing, because even in Mono Troglis, I was seeing Scagrot, and all the Mono gets, he, he's just, he's always there, because he's holding your moon buff in place, so you're getting it when you want it. He's providing it to stuff for you early in a specific position, the fact that you have him as a source for I can choose where my moon buff is going to be is is so effective for saying now's when I need to run and charge over here. Now's when I need to have my plus one to save on my trogs over here. Now now's when the spiders need that five up. You know, it's just it, you've got that control at the cost of a null stone. And yeah. That that one that control that once per game hold the moon or control the moon moon mm-hmm. is so valuable and like you know in turn two if that move moon moves to the center of the board you now have a once per game guarantee and hold it in the center then if you're really lucky you roll that one two or three and then it stays for turn four so the whole board is being affected by the bad the bad moon versus in the past where you're much more reliant on the dice roll and. You know what? If yeah. you're preparing for a, a turn to attack, use his once per game. Don't chance it. Just get the moon straight in the board and get that one turn of, of goodness. Yeah, we, we've been real blessed with the, the new version of the Moonlight. The fact that it starts on the board and it's a little more likely to keep moving and it can't double move off the board from you. You know, you're, you're never like, ah, I didn't get my army abilities this game. You're going to get them. And you can set it up to where, you know, I'm getting one quarter with the moon. I'm getting a large part of another quarter with the shrine. Do I want to really say, well, actually I'm going to set the moon quarter over there and shrine Skagrot. I can have three quarters of the board mm. under the moon without having to even have rolled yet. And then just having Skagrot says, no, well, now I don't have to care about my positioning because two of those were kind of locked. One's definitely locked into your territory. The other one's only on his movement kind of radius. Now I can say, ah, now that it's everywhere, I can play much more freely up the board. I can make sure my buffs are going everywhere. It for for a three up ignore a spell effect. I'd I'd rather control my battle trait. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a yeah, much more consistency that uh, is still worth the points increase when he went from one fifty to two hundred and two hundred and ten or something. It's yeah. it's worth the jump still. Uh, plus, it helps you with like some of the like the grand strategies, like being able to like delete something with a spell. Cool, great scrap yeah. a great way Sweet. to get that. Um, do you have any favorite artifacts that? That stand out. I already kind of alluded to the fact that my favorite artifact right now is the Staff of Sneaker Stealing mm-hmm. because, and I'll explain why I love this one, is that you get plus one to your casting rolls uh, and then for each time you unbind a spell with the bearer, you get plus one to your cast. So I will put in that primal magic dice, I'll unbind spells, and all of a sudden he's getting plus two, plus three, plus four cast as mm-hmm. he uh, he builds that up. So um I found that really good. Yeah. Staff of Sneaky Stealing, it's the same thing we're talking about with the uh, Andorian dice. It's just ensuring when you need that critical spell that he's got, it's going off. And just 
you're already trying to unbind and using primal dice to unbind means I'm getting more triggers for a staff of sneaky stealing so that I'm building a better wizard. So it's, it, it feeds into what you're already doing and it helps a lot. I, I've always been a fan of Moonface moment, even though it's, I feel like it's kind of rare anymore. Um, it it felt it. good when you could do the sidewinder missile, you know, with mm. blizzard. Cause then he just also picked something and you ran a squig unit or a trog unit into it. I thought about it for a while, trying to think of ways around OBR when they were at their peak, because, you know, web spinner shamans got the spell tech, make them autofill on ones and twos. If I'm rocking um, Moonface moment plus Gabapalooza plus Boingrots on the charge, I'm ran four. Is he really saving anything there? You know, there's, there's different ways to try and tackle that, but is it worth switching out to make sure you have a wizard that far up board so that's applicable he's going to get hit <laughs> the thing he's just going to get slapped by something yeah I, I found it really good defensively like i have this guy sitting behind my grot unit of 40 stabbers so mm-hmm. when it absorbs an attack so i had a, a couple of games lately where like a vampire lord on zombie dragon or something goes aggressive into my 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 grots I can point point the little thing. It's a minus one to it. Save, obviously ethereal, but people are moving away from the ethereal vampire lord on zombie dragon. Yeah. Um, they're moving from night legion of blood to legion of night. But what you what I see is like that's a good defensive piece, especially if you can trigger the um, the loon boss and and all the good stuff there. Yeah. But probably the one thing I noticed lately, and I had a conflicting list building, was that in the past I'd always build warlord for the extra artifact. Now, because I've been building around wizards, I've also been playing around with, do I take an extra spell? So I still have yeah. a good spell from the Gits list and mm-hmm. I can still take something from the Antorian Locust list. I, I, I don't want to have to choose because there are good spells that I want to keep. Um, yeah. But how do I get those extra spells? So it was a... Yeah. It, one of the things, it's it's always a debate of what if I want enhancements, aka I don't... It's it's hard for Git sometimes to fit into one or two drops. There are ways to make it work, but really, you're going to have 15 drops anyways. Get all the buffs you want. Well, what buffs do you want? You, you've got, you're spoiled for choice. We've got great spells, and if you do the extra spell lore, you can do all of ours and the Andatorian spells, like you mentioned. Or you can really juice into bonus artifacts, and if you're doing the mix and mash types, there's a lot of room for grabbing ones that are good off of multiple tables. Like the, the Trogoth ones, Glowy House, it's awesome. It's just a very good artifact anyway. Speaky Skull Fetish, you can drown in command points if you feel like. You know, it's it's really what do you feel like you're missing mm. in that core game plan? You know, we talked about list building. I did a lot of the 36 Squig Herd, so I always took the extra triumph because then I knew, ah, my battle shock is never a problem when I don't want it to be. And so I didn't have to be concerned. But you could just as equally come through and say, maybe I am doing the loon boss on mangler squig to get some real jam in there. So I might put teeth caps on him and then I want my general to still be pretty tanky. So I've got that as the trog boss now slotted in with the four up board. There's it's just each one's going to benefit what you put it on pretty well. Like there's, there's no miss. Exactly why I'm saying like there's some good artifacts, but you know, it's also, it depends if you're doing spells or no spells, because you're right, like Globby Houser is such a great artifact if you're taking the Trog boss. Yeah. But uh, it'd be interesting to see in a couple of weeks' time when the Trog King is out, are people t- uh, dropping the the, um, the Dankhold Trog boss for the Trog King? And because it's a unique character, 
will glowy house it drop off lists or will you have them both so you know let's yeah. let's see how that evolves over time like where do the points come for the Trog King, are we dropping back our fell waters or our rock guts for it? Mm. It's interesting, and I think it's going to depend a lot on just do gets players feel like they need that extra buffing guy because they the the squigs they're going to always be what they are. The trogs have a lot more flux because you've only got three war scrolls, four war scrolls. If you're trying to mono trog it, he's definitely adding a lot of value just in difference because it's now access to an additional buff, it's access to additional hero, and then you can do both him and the boss with the glowy house it and maybe he's dragging some attention away from that boss that's your grand strat you know maybe he's providing enough buff to where you've got multiple things that are a threat like one of the something that always helps gets a lot is giving the fight last trigger with itchy nuisance because then i can interact in two fronts without danger and now if i've got two heroes in trogs that buff two fronts and i can throw that out there with a skagrod or a madcap or something now now i'm dangerous now i'm now i'm picking up the world <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's so like fight like the fight last is so good. It's yeah, like so it's good. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd mention about the artifacts? Uh, is it a I, shame I, to say I've never read the spider ones? <laughs> I feel so bad. I I love the models, but I just feel like I, I wish they had sauce. Look, back in the day, like I think I'm. I, I love the spider, the big spiders, and mm-hmm. um, like I wouldn't take a scuttle boss. Uh, I wouldn't take the. Uh, I mean, I, I did mention like the, the units of five little little spiders. I just wouldn't put an artifact on them. Like I'd just rather rather put it on yeah. some other pieces. Like, again, it just comes back to I feel like I get more value from other things. But I'm also not building around spiders. So people, spider people listening to this, you're probably getting angry at me right now. Put it in the comment section why, like what one you like. But just for me, I'm just not building around spiders because it's not doing what I need it to do. Um, yeah, there, there's probably some secret sauce to playing Totem in something that's playing the sub-faction. So now you're really just playing Big Yeller's Cruel Boys with the Swamp Boss, but you're doing it in Melee. Be the people's champion. Run that and let us know <laughs> if it works. But but I will say, like um, a, a sleeper unit for Gits players is just having that unit of five spider riders. Yeah. Unit of five spider riders. I think they're ninety points or eighty points, something around that. Like, they're mm. super cheap. There could be a screen. They could be capping yeah. objectives. They could be something that gets you uh, your battle tactic when you've got it on the side of the board within six. Yeah. It can um, soak up an unleash hell. They are a good little unit that are, that we used to use Ripper Snarl Fangs for, but now they're too expensive, and I'm not paying 140 points for Ripper Snarl Fangs to do that job because they just don't do enough for me. But at that yeah. 70 to 90 points, now we're talking. Yeah, it is, and that's a point because you know it, the default thinking was always, oh, my stabbers are what stand in the way for me. They're a great big block; they can take up a lot of board space. But that is 120 points. What if you can't fit that 120 in? You know, looking at stuff now where I had the Madcap slotted in for the little Sidewinder missile. Now that's got to go away. Now maybe I'm looking for a second cheap screen. I can't quite fit Stabas. Do I fit the Spiders? Because the only thing that beats cavalry bases being an inch from each other is 25 mils. (laughs) And they're just a great board filler. Can I tell you why also I don't want to screen with Grotz? Yeah. Because when we're at units of 20 with Stabas, they can contest objectives outside of nine. So within nine. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to take that one wound because I don't want to spend a rally on them so early or chance it. 
the amount of times I've been able to take an objective being outside of nine, the opponent comes in and then I can reclaim it by putting on more bodies. That nine inches has been so valuable to me that yeah. even when I take that minimum unit size of 20, I want to keep them unwounded to, to start that process and make the charge harder for my opponent. If I'm challenging within six, the charge is easier. It's three inches easier. Yeah. I can't say I disagree with you because you're right. It's it, when I can do things from a more just defensive position than you can, I'm at an advantage. But my counter to it for Mr. I run 20 men grots is I move forward three extra inches and now I'm on the actual mat. It, it makes sense. Like it, you can have 40 dudes, nine inches off and that objective is yours. But if I'm playing enough stuff to counter swaying, whatever's going to hit that grot line, did they need to be more than nine inches out for more than a turn? Meh. Well, it depends, right? Because like, I've forgotten the member, the battle tactics name right now. Uh, is it uh, you know the one where you sit on an objective and if you hold it for two turns in a row, you like you lose it. You can't like the mission. It's it's like yeah. water draining. Um, yeah, I've forgotten cash, the name. I've, I've literally yeah. forgotten the name. But like, there's a perfect example, right? I don't want to retain it two turns in a row. So mm -hmm. if I put it outside of nine, just have one one person holding it. Sure, take it back off me. Then I can move my whole force onto it, reclaim it, and delay that situation. What I'm saying is not every objective in every game, but there's times where I want to challenge it outside of nine. And then if they come, they come to me, it's, it's harder to get to me, then I can redeploy, and I've just made the charge even harder. So, yeah. Or I've got more things to then counter into them because I've moved back a little, and then their charge is easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a fair point, because they're... In the last pack, uh, wasn't there? No, we have we have a tactic. We have a book tactic that's taken objective. Your opponent controls With while under the moon. No, these are regenerate. Yeah, they've got. They, yeah. it's got. A, it'll come up in a minute, but I think it's from a unit that's been regenerated. So yeah, it's if I had twenty and then I got sapped off, and then I can slip that in there. You know, it's maybe just losing that one guy kept me a little more restrained. But you're right. It's a debate because I could just flood it. I could just own it for all day, too, in as many circumstances as I didn't want to own it for all time. You know, the missions in this pack are really fun um, because they're all they've all got some funky rule about removing scoring. <laughs> they've all got like, oh, you can't hold it for more than two turns. Oh, whoever's behind taking the objectives off the board. When you do that, if you've got more range to maybe sneak one from your opponent, I think maybe you've got. Maybe you've got the upper hand on me for this pack because you can say, I'll deploy outside a nine from you and steal your back objective because I've got so many dudes and I'll hold it, which is giving me easier scoring than you who would have to come get my back objective. What are your thoughts on spells? And by the way, I think I think we've, 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 pr we've, pr we've proven here at the top of the show, we said we had conflicting ideas and that's, that's yeah. a good thing, right? Take what you want out of this. I have a very interesting style. The grob, I, I, I love my like big blocks of sixty. And I love my forties, and I love putting in the um, the spore splatters. I love putting in like buffing up these idiots with hoarfrost uh, to get yeah. Ren three <laughs> or uh, to hit two or two plus. I'm telling you, one. Ren three shooters. <laughs> Well, no, that's sorry. Shut shooting. Melee, yeah, melee, melee. I'm a fool. Um, I was making a no, bit, but <laughs> you're just going back to the jank that was double gobble palooza getting Ren two shooters for like three weeks, and you it was really fun. You could not buy a unit of gobble palooza because everyone bought two units. My my gobble palooza, I did not use it for until I haven't used it yet. 
but it's in my list coming up because my friend who got it for me for Christmas, Christmas just now got it because it had been out of stock for so long because of that. He had to wait until the Vanguard came out. <laughs> uh, I've been running mine since the first book. I love the Gobapalooza. Uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I love it for so many reasons. But there are three spells here for our Antorian Locuses, Fungoid Cave Shaman, Web Spinner Shaman, and Madcap Shaman. Um, do you use any of these? Uh, do you take them often? Or are you someone who uses our traditional spell law? I'll go to these ones first. Where are yeah. you at with these three spells? Horfrost, we're in a hard place with Horfrost because everything I would want to give more melee rend already has melee rend. The the places I think of using it, you know, for a long time I included uh, Dobby, the uh, Marsh Crawler, for the plus one to hit for everybody. This gets around it a little better for less of an investment because I can put it on a wizard I'm already taking and just say, hey, that Squig Herd's now hitting on twos. Mm -hmm. Be afraid. That's great. But, you know, Boingrots are already going to go to Ren 2 on the charge. Trogs are plenty Ren deep. It's really, where am I fixing stat lines? And you've already got plenty of buff pieces. I don't know if you need a melee buff that your opponent can stop. You know? Rupture was one thing. Now it's playing as a counter. I don't see it becoming necessary. And Blizzard now can't do Madcap Sidewinder missiles. But Horfrost... If you're building around something that needs the buff and you don't want to pay for the unit, it's a great cheaper option theoretically. So here's here's my this my my little secret sauce that I've been using lately. Ooh. So in the past, since second edition, I've always been obsessed with Moon Clan stabbers with swords because it's a, it's a consistent mm. profile. Fours and fours, obviously all out attack, yada yada yada, gives yeah. me more consistency, right? Mm-hmm. But I always had a unit of sixty spears, and the spears were more the grindy unit. Yeah. Problem with spears, they hit on fives. They do a whole mm-hmm. lot of nothing. But when I use Hoarfrost and bring that spears down to twos, yep. <laughs> then I put on the loon boss. I'm doing mortal wounds on sixes to wound. Yep. Then I add the spore splatter fanatics to give them plus one attack, or yep. <laughs> I get the or I get the plus one attack from um from the sneaky snufflers if I do a five or a six yep. under the line of the bad moon. For example, um, I played a game, at, my first game at the tournament um, I recently attended, um, a Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon Ethereal charged my Grots. They were in line. They they didn't get the roar off. So I, I was able to use my Loon Boss on 40 Stabbers, two attacks each because of the um, the Spore Splatter. Um, Tell me you see. didn't. <laughs> you, did you pick? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That was, awesome. that, that was that was that was without Hoarfrost. Then the next turn, because he because he went first, he went first. Then did he I, go home? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. But then there was another, there was uh, Prince Vordry that they they then got Hoarfrost. Then they charged Vordry and deleted Vordry. So by the top by the bottom of turn one, Vordry and Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon were deleted by forty <laughs> Goblin Stabbers. How, how dare you? That man's army is on eBay right now. <laughs> To, to be fair, though, like I had my little fungoid sitting there like an idiot and Kato just deleted it. And like, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I lost my grand strategy because I let Kato delete my little fungoid. With his oh, move. But but to your that's point, awesome. or Frost, but it's, that's not the only time I've did it. That's the thing. I can turn them into Ren 3 yeah. or I can bring that profile down to twos. And while I don't need the plus one to hit from the Loon Boss 
it's the it's the triggering of mortal wounds and mm -hmm. when you get the extra attack on them getting them two attacks each spears are two inch range which means it's like essentially three rows of um 25 mil bases yeah that's a lot of attacks it's a ton now now here's where i'm going to catch you with the kicker because mm -hmm. you you do the bad snatchers you do the cast all all day long how many casts are in that list uh Antorian locus or in general because i've got uh, scrag right in there i bet in general, how many how many spells can you pump a turn? Uh is it is seven, it, eight? I, I think it's five. So I had so I had um Madcap, Fungoid, mm -hmm. Scraggy. That's and it. Scraggy's and then obviously two. Yeah, yeah. And then there's obviously once per game mushrooms and stuff. Yeah. But so five? Five? I'm usually rocking like three. <laughs> and that's the thing. Guys, I, I jump a lot more into the, the units. If you're taking Especially if you're taking bad snatchers, God, you've got spells for days, and they're going to go off. But if you're if you're really leaning into the wizards, you've got so much access to spells. Horfrost helps everything because any unassuming unit like Stabas can become relevant, can become a threat. Especially if you're going to use them when your opponent doesn't expect, or when your opponent undercommitted something to go handle them. You know, because you pop around and they say, "Oh, that's twenty Stabas." Here's I don't know. We're playing Iron Jaws, three three pigs, something like that. You go, ha ha, good yank. They're dead. You know, you you can handle stuff like that all of a sudden. But when you're lower in number, there's so many good spells in the get scrolls that just dominate those couple of casts. And Dale, that's where I would challenge you to say, get yourself Command Entourage, get yourself um, Warlord. And choose the extra spell enhancement so they can have both. And then you choose yeah. what's good for you. And that's where, like, my Fungoid on Cave Shaman with the Staff of Sneaky Stealing mm -hmm. would have Hoarfrost. And then getting that spell off um, at a higher casting value. Yeah. Or I use a Primal Magic Dice because I have the Antorian Locust Battalion. But, yeah, to your point, I'm doubling down on that. Rupture. Yeah. I don't think is very valuable for us. I've seen some gits lists with Cronspine. It's not for me. I almost did it, but I just couldn't justify it because, like, that 500 points could be Trogoths. It could yeah. be the secret source that's in my list, which is a Mega Gargant. <laughs> yeah. It, when you've got such good access to good units, why do you need the, the crutch unit? You know, it Cronspine's a great level. I think we're better than it in a lot of spots. You know, Trogs will do more damage more consistently than it will. Squigs are more mobile for probably just as much damage, honestly. Grotz, I don't know about Grotz living longer, but they're definitely more of a nuisance. You know, it's just, I don't think it fits. Now that they've gotten rid of you being able to turn your own wild and it's now a debuffing piece, I think it's even more niche because now it's just, do I think my opponent's going to bring in Incarnate? And we already hit on that idea of, well, why would I take something that's betting on what my opponent's going to have on the table? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Unless you took the Shaman of the Chill Land, where you know all three of them. But again, yeah. like, I'm not the biggest fan of Rupture in our in our build. Blizzard, though, hands down, I'm taking it. I'm taking it, even if it's a, a 65 point web spinner Shaman. Even if you can't Sidewinder missile him anymore. Yeah, yeah. I again, I play. You you are the Wizard Man, and I am the 100 grot standing button in front of you. I've got way more dudes than I've got spells. I don't know if I slot it. It's there are times I've seen games where I'm like, I wish I had it. You know, there's stuff I'm like, well, if I could have picked that up in the hero phase with just a good damage spell, but I, I should be doing damage anyway. 
if I'm playing around those situations, if I'm planning for, you know, I don't need to get tar pitted by something, hopefully I don't feel like I missed it. And I'm, I'm benefiting from instead, uh, Skygrot laser, uh, hand of Gork and itchy nuisance in that order. <laughs> so I'm not saying it's an auto include. And if this spell got deleted, my list doesn't crumble. But for me, what I love is having a Madcap Shaman or a Web Spinner Shaman that's, that is uh, using Lookout Sir running with a unit of Stabbers, whether it's – usually it's the 40 unit of Stabbers yeah. because I want to keep them around as long as possible. And when they sit on an objective, they're mm-hmm. not going to outgrind the opponent unless they use, as I mentioned, you know, the Loon Boss on Foot's Trigger and Hoarfrost and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But if I'm trying to retain something, and I'm like center of the board, 40 grots, if you come into me, know that you better delete this unit because I'm going to return surf. Yep. And if I lose the prio and I can hold, or I win the prio, if I lose the prio and you come into me, cool, I'm going to blizzard you. Delete this yep. unit or you're in trouble. Yep. And I find that is enough to make people second guess if it's worth fighting my my grots. They go, oh, maybe I'll go somewhere else or maybe mm-hmm. they, they try to avoid me. Now it has changed a little bit, obviously, with the Hand of Gork. So I'm not, I never used it as an offensive piece where I sling something mm-hmm. forward and try to delete it before it deletes me. But I found it as a really good deterrent. But also psychologically, there's only so many unbinds in most people's lists. So do they yeah. unbind Blizzard, Hoarfrost, Hand of Gork, mm-hmm. uh, Scragrot Spell, Itchy Nuisance, uh nick it nick it like there's so many spells you're like uh, you make them make that hard choice and everything else is going off mm-hmm. everything oh. else is going off yeah it's the exact great point about gets you know we we're on entirely opposite sides of the coin and they both work because it, it it's ideal i've got my little button that says if you do not get through 40 health at a minus one to hit and hopefully a ward I'm doing 46 to whatever you brought <laughs> and I'm getting maybe, rid of it. Or even maybe if the minus two, maybe minus two for my Gobbler Palooza's put off yeah. its spell for minus one. Now you're it, minus two. It's the Gotrick conundrum. He stands on an objective and you go, come here and die. <laughs> like they now have to go somewhere else. But inversely, it's entirely, and that's the joy it gets. It's what sauce do you want to go with? Do you, do you want to play that come and tempt me kind of stature? Or do you want to be the one leaping over? And I think that's exactly where you and I sit. I love to leap, and you love to stand there and go. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I am. I, yeah, I'm the grinder. I like. I love to run my my idiots forward and just juke it out in the middle. Um, but you, you, you're right. We do have a lot of great spells like Itchy and Squeak Lure is one that I, I always really have, especially Squeak Lure is so critical and. When you run that unit of Squig Herd, you've got to get this off because you can't receive a command ability. Mm-hmm. I don't want to use a triumph on them to re-roll the charge. Yep. Squig Lure is critical if I'm running a herd. Mm-hmm. Squ- Squiggler, it fixes your Squig Herd. If I'm going to, for example, if I've already gotten off or I'm making the play for Itchy Nuisance to engage in two places, I know I can't command point both charges if needed for Boingrots. So Squiggler is giving you double access to that. Squiggler theoretically fixes that non-hero Mangler Squig going across the board. If he needs to make sure he gets into something for the 3D6, who cares if he's isolated now? He's trying again. Yeah. It it turns the options on. Itchy Nuisance opens the door for you to just put your opponent on a back foot, engaging in two places, which is already fantastic. And then Hand just fixes where your positioning is. 
I would love to put a ward on my unit with snufflers and then put the snufflers up in board where they're going to be relevant again. I did that all the time with the the squig hurt because then that blocks just pressuring you aggressively and that that snuffler unit is just constantly hopping behind it wherever it needs to be to be in range. They're just all good. <laughs> yeah, nick it nick it probably isn't as good. If I think of like my rankings, nick it nick is probably the least of the three that I, I the four. Sorry, mm-hmm. I appreciate the most. Um, but it has been helpful for like when I do. Um, is it magical? not magical dominance with the battle tactic where you've got to kill a unit with spells magical mayhem? Scrag- yeah magical mayhem something like that like, yeah. but like if if my scragrot spell or my blizzard hasn't gone off or hasn't done enough damage uh and like i don't want to rely on arcane mm-hmm. bolts i have found nick it nick it has helped me achieve that yeah. battle tactic it, it, it does take some positioning and, and timing to make sure you can kill the unit mm-hmm. but it has gotten me out of some unbinds but I'm always yeah. going itchy nuisance, squeak lure, hand of gork. Yeah, someone, now granted, I haven't tried it. Someone tried to tell me one of the things that they had been running into that really ruined them was corn players running with Angrath, I think it is, is the artifact that says, hey, you don't get wards anymore. Yeah. yeah. And we'd like to play into our five up wards to just really inflate that health pool. That turns that off. You know, if I'm not going to get rid of that bloodthirster, if I'm going to play around with it in front of some stabbers or something, if I don't think I can get through it, because, for example, he could ignore Blizzard. I can put that on him, and now he's just another Bloodthirster who's going to be minus one to hit. He's going to sit in my Stabas forever, but I'm getting wards, and so my my health pulls double his, you know? Yeah, obviously you got to hit the, the 10 plus to cast, which can be tough, and then there's the shrug, the four-up shrug. Mm-hmm. I find, like, they are glass candy, so if you can hit them harder... Uh, but yeah, yeah you're, you're right. Like shutting down artifacts, like as we mentioned, the ethereal vampire lord on zombie dragon. Also, if you, get, <laughs> if, if you pull that off them, that that zombie dragon changes dramatically. Yeah, yeah. And the nice thing is that spells okay, and we look at it and go, "Wow, that's the worst of the four because they're <laughs> the other three are just phenomenal." <laughs> the other one as well, like their web spinner shaman, sneaky distraction, getting a minus one to hit aura within twelve inches. Again, great defensive piece. Even if you were running a troll list and you've just got one little snuffler kind of giving you a minus one within your rock guts, yeah. Like for just, 65 point investment, it's a good option. It's a great option. I I could never decide back when, you know, like tanks were the the big the big cheese where there was all the corn warrior blocks, uh mortis guard were up and slaves were still enough around with their two up or it was like, well, do I feel like Curse of the Spider God? Might be worth a little sauce because you can. It's got pretty good range, so it can reach out there and hurt something that maybe you're going to put something lighter into. But typically, the stuff you're going to melee in anyway is Ren two. You know, hopefully, if you cast from Gobblepalooza, they're now Ren three. So they maybe they don't need that trigger as much, but it's utility. It's something interesting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I've always prioritized sneaky first. And I never have enough spider spells to, to even worry for a second one. But yeah. you're right. I probably would pick Curse second, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, long story short, there is a lot of good options for us, depending on how you like to build your list. And again, there is no one way to build your list. Although I think there are some clear winners when it comes to our sub-factions. 
Uh, now, again, as we mentioned earlier, the um, whatever's coming out with the Troll King, we don't know. It's not in its full entirety. So we'll pause that conversation until a future video. Uh, but you've got your sub-factions, and I think there are some clear winners. Uh, what do you like? I, I was the big squig man when that book came out. Plus one to attacks is a menace. Because if you if you pop everything off with a snuffler buff or um, say you're doing spore splatters and then jaws, you're rolling a hundred plus dice and then oh by the way six is to hit to immortal in addition surprise <laughs> like they, it's absurd it's absurd quantity um, I find now that we're a couple points updates into it I don't know if just defaulting to say I am the damage check is the way. There's enough things that can make it difficult to where playing the debuffs and playing a slower pace has a lot of merit. And doing that, King's Gets has my eye, just because you can get so much value if you're putting all the pieces that are meant to go in that little buff package together with the command trait that lets you do it twice. Now it's getting a reroll. So I'm on four up, twice a turn, rerolling. So that's a 75% chance twice over a five round game. Maybe I don't get rolls on turn one. You know, if, if I'm losing units on round one, maybe I've got bigger problems. Yeah, but but across two through five, that's four rounds, two per for eight shots at a seventy five percent chance. That that's a lot of units back. That's a lot of material back on the board. Scoring objectives, getting back into deal damage. That I could play with one and a half times my opponent's army. <laughs> that that's kind of crazy. It does get you around some of the rally changes. So you bring a unit of six rock guts, you sling them up the board, they do damage. And then if they die, you bring them back on, you bring a unit of three back mm -hmm. uh, and you obviously get two attempts to, to roll yeah. the four plus, or you do that with a unit of squeak hoppers or, or uh, boing drop bounders. So it does and allow you to go on. No, you. it even allows you to bring the buff pieces back. Snufflers come back, spore splatters come back, Gobapalooza comes back. You can just stack. That's the reason I'm looking at it is now if Snufflers and Gobapalooza are my front line because they've got good wards or enough health, and I'm ensuring you know 75% of the time they're coming right back, I'm not missing out on buffs and I'm not losing other units to your first introduction to my front line. You know, it's when you just say I'm not as afraid of death, you you mirror up with soul blight and say, I can bring stuff back too. And my stuff hits mm -hmm. a little harder. <laughs> no, it's good. It, it is a good shout. And you've really got to think about how you play into the King's gifts. Cause you're right. Turn one, you're probably not going to be regenerating. Mm -hmm. um, so you've really got four shots here. So what is it that you want to regenerate and how are you going to, make the most out of that unit before it gets regeneration and then how do you get back into the game so you know having a critical cast of um, hand of gork for example to get it back into the fight or being able to you know don't don't um underestimate the value of a late game objective stealing unit even if it is three snufflers even if it is you know three gobblepalooza they can do so much um yeah. or even like a unit of uh 10 10 grots because it was a 20 down to 10 um Ten grots can do a lot of work. Yeah, it's it's the fact that it can play into a battle tactic, and you kind of reinforce that that's going to go off. It helps the occasion that you need that extra tactic. Maybe you didn't have one lined up, you know. But jaws, jaws, and glogs are both 
great because they're just outright. Your stuff's going to be better than it already was. King says all of your units just get to double down a little bit. You're getting one and a half value for all them. And if you're like me and you want to be 20 grots twice over and 10 boing grots twice over and maybe a rock gut in there, all of those units can now push for their value up board aggressively and you won't run out of stuff in the back line most of the time. <laughs> There's still that 25% chance you're going to beef one. And if that puts you off pace, it's going to put you on a back foot. Well, as I said to you, like I don't rely very often on the um, the Moon Clan Lairs ability because I never run King's Gits, and um, I don't I don't get the dice rolls. Like it always never works yeah. for me. So for me, um, if I wanted to build into it and get more consistency, King's Gits is where I'm going to significantly increase my 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 abilities. But I, I might call out. Um, so I wanted to test out bad snatchers in this current. I, I thought if any, there's any time to make the most of bad snatchers, no. it's this one, right? Because my list yeah. is being filled with Moon Clan wizards. Yes, Scragrot is King's Git, so Scragrot does not benefit. But the other ones, they're the they're the wizards that I want to be bringing anyway, right? So as long as there there's two wizards within nine inches of each other, they can re-roll one dice for the casting roll. So I've really enjoyed this. Um, as I mentioned, rules of written versus rules as intended with your uh, primal dice. Talk to your yeah. TO. I play as if because um, you can't re-roll. You can't use a primal dice if you've re-rolled. So, Master of Magic, for example, you can't do both. I've been playing it as you can't do both. So um, that's the mindset that I have. But some TOs have ruled it the other way. Being able to get consistently off. Itchy Nuisance, Squeak Glue with a casting value of five, Hand of Gork, getting more of those spells off, especially when I pop my mushroom for that once per game spell cast, um, and then putting my, my primal dice into, you know, Scragrot spell, Hoarfrost, Merciless Blizzard, Hand of Gork, I just find I'm getting more value from my spell casting because my opponents are ignoring those other ones, and they're yeah. important. They are important to me. So... Yeah. All, all of the spells are big enablers. It's it's hard to go wrong with a lot of that list. And if any pack was going to enable you to say, now's the time where I need plenty of unbinds and chances to stop other people's critical spells, and I've got a pack that's going to benefit me having more spells and ensuring I'm getting mine off, you're right. Th this is the time for the bad snatchers. Like it's it, The great thing is, I look at that sheet, that all four are rocking it. You know, there's there's no way to do bad with it. It's just, do you want to lock yourself into one type? Because the hard thing about, you know, we've talked back on and off about where do you mix? Do you slot in packages of the others? Jaws, just the squigs are going to benefit. Glogs, just the uh, trogs are going to benefit. Bad Snatchers helps with the blend. Because although it's meant to be like the grot one, kind of like King's Gits is, it's helping your wizards that have all the buff pieces for everybody. You know, the the um, um, minus one to hit off of the Gobapalooza, that's going to go off better. Squiggler, if you've got that package in. Mystic Shield for your Trogs, so they're always tanky. Everybody's going to benefit from the spellcast. That was, my, that was my concept going in. Now, is it better than King's Gits? Well, it depends on how much you value spells. Like, is, yeah. is the spells more valuable than getting a unit of three Rock Guts back or a unit of... Um, 12 or 20 or sick 20 like squeak herd like mm. 
18 tweaker like yeah. you need to decide what's more valuable mm-hmm. um and it comes me, back to oh go ahead go ahead just for me like it comes down to what's the value and for me i would rather keep those bodies on the table longer than assume they're going to die and then bring them back and that's just my the way i look at the gits yeah it's that it's that same idea we did real early it's like what's that core package you're bringing going to do because if the idea is i want to have the ability and honestly the flexibility to pick where i'm putting buffs at any given time through the spell casting thing bad snatchers rolls right into it if i'm playing unit heavy because i'm focusing on my individual war scroll interactions granted there's buffs but maybe there's not as many then maybe it's i just need more quantity and king's gets is the way you know spot on i i would wholeheartedly agree with you no, nothing better nothing worse it depends on your flavor and your style mm-hmm. you could play really one enjoyed, tuesday and the other wednesday <laughs> i've really enjoyed jaws of mork i've really enjoyed king's gets i've enjoyed all of yeah. them um not grim scuttle we've obviously talked about that um more spiders Entorian Locus uh, Battalion or the Entorian Alkalites Battalion is pretty obvious to two of your people. If you if they're both of them, two two mandatory, one optional. Um, and on a three plus, you get one primal magic dice. The thing that some people miss is it's at the start of the hero phase, not the start of your hero phase. Mm-hmm. So you could potentially get two extra primal magic dice, a turn or a battle round. Um by having this battalion, as long as you've got two of these Antorian locusts still on the table. Yep, and and stopping the spells is, especially currently, with how dominant Seraphon can be, or how much people will try and blizzard you, stopping the spells and getting those extra dice to make sure you've got more advantage on the roll than your opponent is just so good. <laughs> it just stops all the nonsense that they could possibly throw at you. Imagine that they're going to do the soul bite one where they hit three of your units or D six of your units for a mortal wound to two mortal wounds. It'd be great if they just didn't. (laughs) And the cool thing as well about this is that unbinding has no negative impact. You can't grenade yourself. Yeah. Correct. Like if they roll a a, a one or if they roll one, one, and then they roll a primal dice. So if they get a miscast, it's all on them but I can roll as many dice as I possibly want. And I've got up yeah. my arsenal. I could roll three ones and yeah, that sucks, but I'm not taking any damage by doing that when I'm an unbinding. So um, I put, it puts all the risk on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It puts all the onus on your opponent. Cause then you can, especially if you've got an abundance of miscasts, like the bad snatchers idea does is, Oh, I don't need this dice. And he rolled a one. So he only got a seven. I could stop this naturally. And now he's now thinking, Oh, I've lost my value. Do I need to make sure I'm getting this next key spell off? Maybe he goes and pushes cause he's not as disciplined and rolls the snake eyes. Maybe, maybe he'll blow up. <laughs> I've seen it happen a few times already. Like it, it just, it just, it hurts. Yeah. Um, it's a good one, but I mean, like, again, you can fill this cheaply with us. We've got our fungoids for um, 70 points, not fungoid, um, the Mad Cup's, what, 70 points? The Mad Cup's 70. 65, 65 yep. for the whip. So this yeah. is an easy one to fill. Uh, obviously, it will increase your drops. So if you are running Battle Reg, it would make you minimum, what, three, three. drops? Yeah. And the other hard part is they got to be alive. Both of like if if you just put the two in to do this battalion for 130 points, both have to be on board still to make it work. But if you're playing either, like you said, the grot block with the guy behind, or if maybe you're just using them as buff pieces behind all of your sauce, they'll stick around for a while. They'd have to go out of their way to get to those guys 
And once again, if they're going out of their way to get deep into you and pick those guys up, you've now got all the gets right there. They're in charge range. <laughs> and it's only 65 points or 70 points is dying. So yeah. it's uh, it's not a bad trade. Wizard Finders, I'm not a fan. I don't see a lot of value. Um, yeah. I mean, you could do a squig piece, right? Because you could put the squig, the Mangler squig without the loon boss in it. Mm-hmm. The um, one I thought of was maybe... Maybe this is what finally gets Fellwaters into melee, you know? Maybe this is finally what gets multiple small squig herd blocks rolling to where you can throw a couple up board into something. But again, it's matchup dependent because you got to have your opponent have wizards. It's only if you didn't have them to put in something else. And Vanguard can be just as useful because it's not dependent on what they're bringing. You just have the Vanguard ability. So, yeah. Agreed. I wholeheartedly agree. I'm not seeing a lot of fa- value. I might just, you know, conscious of time, like it, it, how are you finding your grand strats? Has, are you doing something like chase the moon, for example, or are you doing um, something from the general's handbook? I mentioned earlier, I'm using spell casting savant mm-hmm. uh, and prime. The prime reason is when I look at chasing the moon versus spell casting savant, my general is a wizard. I need to keep it around anyway. It's just that I don't have to keep it under the light of the bad moon for three. It's yeah. literally the same thing because it's my my wizard is the general. But if I was running like a loon boss or something different, then chasing the moon is clearly superior to me. Yeah, Where I, are you at? I do a lot of chasing the moon because a lot of times I love fungoid for the I can't be seen out of 12. Because like I already said, nine times out of 10, I'm taking the roll twice on the shrine. So then he's already got to be within 12 of the rock for that, which means he's going to be in the moonlight because of the rock generates the moon for holy within 12. So he's naturally going to get both. In reality, they're no different because if I'm going to put that on him anyways, because I like him being minus one or can't be seen out of 12, then he's already a wizard and I could do slaughter just, or not slaughter, um, savant just as easily, you know? Unless you were going for funny trog plays, you could try Slaughter of Sorcery, but if you run into something that just says, I'm going to put a wizard in the back corner, it's it's mean. Even though, you know, you could try and hope I'm rolling into the corn player and we both just get our grand for free. Yeah, it's a super risky play, Slaughter of Sorcery. It's a very risky play. I know for me, like, I've really enjoyed the battle tactics and I think mm. outside of turn one... I found the battle tactics between Gits and um, and the, the General's Handbook has been really good. Yeah. Um, one question that came from Discord was, do you have any advice for turn one battle tactics? Like, what are you choosing turn one on average? There's, It's been hard since they've switched. There's some ways you could get really aggressive with some of the deployments and do either the holy within six to three battle edges um, surround and destroy, or you could do intimidate the invaders, but that requires you to really push your lineup, which is typically leaving the moonlight. So unless there's no good option, those, those are some you can have in the back pocket. Like I've pulled those out against Seraphon because I know I don't have to be as afraid of them coming into my front line, but I know they'll stop a spell. Otherwise, you hide your general wizard who's can't be seen out of 12, Mr. Fungoid, on your backboard edge and enjoy casting Mystic Shield. It, it, it can be pretty simple if they're out of range. That's usually a default turn one because, sadly, we're not picking who's going first or second most of the time. 
No, and our battle tactics do not complement turn one. Like, there's nothing yeah. in here for turn one that helps me at all. So I've got to look at the General's Handbook. To me, you're right. Intimidate the Invaders or Magical Dominance are the ones that I pick probably most often. Magical Dominance, I've got to be really careful, and that's where looking for Arcane Terrain, being outside of not just 30 inches of Wizards, but also where a heroic willpower might occur. Yeah. The more I can avoid getting that shut down, um, I won't chance it too often. I don't want to cast too many spells. So get that one off, leave it, and then move along. It's not worth the extra spells. And it yeah. just means I won't be as... And that's part of the reason why I'm not as aggressive in turn one, because I want to get that off. And then I'll I'll start my wave properly for turn two. Yeah, it's... The nice thing about doing it with that general that you're hiding anyways, if that's the method you're going with, is you usually want him nice far back and away. And his spell isn't always the one that needs to be closer up board like Itchy Nuisance. There's also method, though, where you could do it with your Palooza and the minus one to hit bubble. Because if that's the kind of method you're playing, you don't want to miss out on that very good debuff that you're putting out there. And if I can just ensure that they're far back enough when they're deployed, but they can move up to where I'm still in a more forward position and in my debuff bubble, then I can get a little bit of the best of both worlds. Well, even Squeak Lua, Squeak Lua casting value of 5, range 18, it's a very generous cast, a yeah. very low-value cast. You want to get Squeak Lua off to help your, uh, your Squeak Herd charge. Mm -hmm. Cast the one spell, get it out of the way, move along with it. Yep. Just and we, we've... Yeah, and we're so spoiled for choice on tactics in 2, 3, and 4 yeah. that if you can hold that um, Intimidate the Invaders until 5, you're golden, you know? It's just make sure you've got some kind of plan going into 1. It's just, if they're not Seraphon, you probably do Dominance. Yeah, like Bait and Trap, Lead the Maelstrom, Surround and Destroy, uh, Magical Mayhem, Intimidate the Invaders. They're all ones that I can use in turn two and beyond, let alone the other ones like um, uh, Stab Him in the Dark, uh, Follow the Moon, Moonlight Raid. Yeah. Uh, like there's so many ones that I can choose. It's just not turn one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's and there's situations maybe you'll get lucky. Your opponent's playing something forward and you can get that Stab Him in the Dark on one. It's just... If that opportunity presents itself, you've gotten it golden. But it, this pack's really one where it's planning for my first two and then enjoying the rest and making it go from there. Yeah, I'm talking, obviously, we're, we're both talking very, like, just generically. Yes, there's mm -hmm. situations where that may occur, but um, on average, don't rely on that. This is... Yeah. Thoughts on the Rebel Rouser? Um, I love that he's a hundred points and looks awesome, but uh, I'm not the biggest fan of his ability. <laughs> Why is that? When am I running a monster? <laughs> when am I running a monster that needs a move buff? Because if I'm running a monster, it's a mangler squig, and they go very fast. Maybe if I'm doing the trog boss with the make him a monster effect just to get him up board, but then he's stranding himself isolated away from my rock guts and all. I just don't see when I'm when I would apply him. I was talking to a friend in regards to one approach, which I actually don't think is a bad idea. I think it's actually a good idea, um, and that is building into the fact that this has a four-up ward. So it mm. could be a good alternative to be a general to for a bit more survivability, um, especially if you can't be targeted. If you're like you know lookout sir hiding behind a unit of gits. Um, the ability to your point is is a bit useless. Like 
there's not a lot of monsters that I would want this to to be on. Like, I don't need this yeah. for Mangle Squig. I don't need this for like an Arachnorok. Like, I don't need this ability in yeah. my army. It's good as a Merce, as a uh, regiment of renown in like a Sun's army, but yeah. as a Gits player, that monster. This would be perfect if I could use a Colossal Squig, but that's gone. It's legend. <laughs> I can't it would be so great. That's when I needed it. This is when I needed it. I don't need yeah. it now. I do not need this unless I need a 100-point hero with a 4-up ward, but that's yeah. now competing with a Loon Boss on foot, a Loon Boss with Cave Squig, with a um, a Squig Boss, with every other little wizard, uh, yeah. grot hero. Bat Squig is cool. And I get it, it's once per game, but that's the turn you're going to move him up in front of the thing that you're going to be trying to get the monster into, and he can do a little extra extra damage before he's useless. But if I'm swinging a Mangler Squig across board, it can already run in charge if I've got the moon. It's just kind of maybe that Trog Boss trick, or if I was going to do some shenanigans with a spider, but it's just, what is he going to do other than stand there for me? <laughs> The challenge I've got, though, is that you've got to get that Rabble Rouser into the enemy backfield in order to not mm -hmm. take the D6 Mortal Wound. So you're going to have to put your Hand of Gork onto this, get it over across the board. Now this one hero is doing nothing on the literally the other side of the board, or you've got a Hand of Gork next turn to get it back. Um, and that's not a Hand of Gork that's going into your Sneaky Snufflers or anything else. Yeah. I, 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 just, I don't see the value, and I think the 4-Up Ward is probably the most valuable thing that it has. And yeah. Paint him up in a case for your custom uh, loon boss kind of deal. He's a gorgeous model, but that war scroll. Ooh. It's it's hard to justify. It is really hard to justify. But um, maybe in a world where maybe Dawn brings brings us a new hero, sorry, mon be. a new monster. Maybe there's some like yeah. squig something. Yeah, and um, you know, if you do that, I don't know if the Trog King will be a monster or not. It just depends on how big he is. But if he if he is, and then you can do the Trog boss as a monster. Now you maybe have a little play because you can pick between the two and ensure one's getting across board where he needs to be. Uh, there's opportunity, but it's it's going to take something. I'll do the YouTube thing at this point, and I'll say if you know what to do with the rebel rouser, and we're not seeing anything. I, genuinely, though, like I, I would actually, if someone's found some yeah. real good value from the the uh, the uh, rebel rouser, I'd love to hear it. Right now, I'm not sold as a. Because I've only got six, I've capped my six. And if I could yeah. get more, I'm taking another web spinner. I'm not taking uh, him at the moment. But yep. this is your first list. So we're going to go through three lists. Um, I'll share my list next. But um, the first list you've got here is a Jaws of Mork, which is uh, Chasing the Moon. You've got the Fungoid Cave Shaman with clammy, cl the Clammy Hand, Staff of Sneaker Steel, and Hand of Gork, Squeak Boss, Scraggy, uh, Unit of Two, of 10 uh, Boingrock Bounders, a unit of 36 Squeak Herd, 20 Stabbers, 6 Snufflers, and the Marsh Crawler coming at 1900 because you want the Indomitable um, Triumph. I want Indomitable twice. Because that I this it, is what. I've got it twice. Yes. So the whole, the whole idea with this, this is what I ran very close when the book first came out, but it's been hit with points buffs twice. Originally, this had a mangler in it. I think I mentioned before, just because there were some juicy things that that hop over lines could really get into. Um, and then I ended up taking them out for two twenties of stabbers, and it was great. I had plenty of bodies to box out beast players when that was popping off. I had a lot of extra lines in front of me because um, there were still plenty of gets players running trogs or squigs that wanted to run straight into your face. But now that it's gone up again, 
the original concept floated right around that 36 squig herd. That is the crux of it. That squig herd makes up that initial package we're talking about. The idea being it can go into mad attacks because of Jaws of Mork. The snufflers are going to buff them. So your 72 health on that unit eventually gets closer to 90. It's like 96 with that five up ward. And then they're bringing back however many guys they feel like in the hero phase. That unit's not going anywhere. The only problem with it is it's bravery three. And so if they do whack it with something hard and pick up 20 squigs, you would lose the unit, and then you're dependent on respawning it with the Moonshrine. Double Triumph says, I'm not going to deal with that. I'll choose if I want it to stick around up to twice. Hargast was popular then. It gets around that. It just says, here's this absolute menace of a unit, and you're not going to get rid of it unless I say so. The, the whole idea being that Warlord is just enough heroes to get the extra enhancement being the Triumph, and then you got to play real far down to get it. The original list was 1940. The next one after that was 1890, because I was real afraid there were multiple Gits players going to try it, and I wanted to be cheaper than the other Gits players. If I had to remake this now, this is what it would look like, where that's now at 1900. A lot of them I'm seeing are playing closer to 1990, and they're doing more full units and an extra buff piece. So it's comfortably getting its triumphs twice and still has all those actionable units in it. I've noticed a lot of armies are now no longer playing for the Triumph. It seems like, uh, like I just did uh, my 120-odd player GT, and of the list submitted, they were all around 1950 or more. Like, very rarely are people going under 1950. So, uh, obviously, if you really want it like you do, you make the play and you don't take the Endless Spell. You don't, you know, you try to keep it uh, above 1950, but... This is, yeah. How does it work? Like, what's what's going on here that people need to know about? Maybe not the complete detail, they're like every yeah. little piece, but what's the combinations and the synergies, or how does it operate? When you do something like this, you're turning every other Gits player into a confused mess, because they look at it and go, wait, you didn't come run at me turn one? You just moved like five inches and then stopped? You're playing almost a castle, where that Marsh Crawl is sitting in the center, providing your plus one to hit buff, which for the Squig Herd, they, they eat it up off of that. And the squig boss is just falling around, turning them into a damage menace. Snufflers are buffing the squig herd typically. So they're getting a five up ward. That health pool's massive. And then potentially they're going to even more plus one attacks. That thing can rove about the center of the board or down an objective line and pick up the world. It picks up 10 uh, Chaos Chosen. It picks up the Nurgle Knights that they were doing for a while. This picks up 15 Boingrots if you run into the mirror match. I haven't run this since corn uh, came about. That one's going to be spicy because they'll do the damage, but they'll do the damage back to you. So maybe you're losing some dudes at an inopportune time when you're trying to press. But that big block takes up a lot of area and it dominates board space. Then you've got what was two is now sadly one, Stabas, protecting you at the start, tagging your back objectives, giving you a good wall to where now those Boingrots don't have to be up on an island they can move into the gaps. So if I'm moving that big block center field, I can run Stabas up in a line to the side. If you want to come hit me, you're hitting Stabas, and then 10 Boingrots are going to pick you right back up, and I'm usually winning the exchange there. So it's it's really, your opponent's got to come to you if, you if they want to score, and you have no need to overrush it. You just say, here's the one or two things I want to interact with this turn. Pick them up. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because you're right. Like when I play my squeak list, I never turn one charge and I see a few people go super aggressive. For me, it's about getting the, the light of the bad moon in the middle of the board so they can run and charge and I get more consistency in, you know, even like 
had this debate with someone recently where um, I never use the squeak boss pregame move. Mm. I never use it because yeah. I don't want to chance the ability that the squeak boss is now not in range of the squeak herd to mm. use its benefit. Um, and I don't want to rely on hand of Gork in turn one to reposition it. So it then yeah. is in range, but even then like it's, it's, it's like this, all the stuff like it's, I always just sacrifice that it's mm -hmm. good to have, yeah. but I just, and, I, don't, I never use it. Yeah. And the joy of having 36 squeak herd is that there's 36 of those dudes. They're massive. And so if you want, and what I typically did with it is if I wanted to push into something and then needed to switch the board, say left to right. Now that pregame move just turns them back around the other direction. And I'm tailing that unit down with the the symbol basher guys and the prodders they're now back just barely within three of the squig boss and so he's turned them around gotten them some distance in the right direction buffs them and now they're free to go again and he just runs along behind and that's what i was going to say is that what i'll do is if i don't if i'm going to use it i will deploy the uh the squig boss on the line surround mm -hmm. it by squigs and you're right by the time you make the pre-game move you've always got something within three um, yeah. still to benefit. But if you put it at the back and then make the pregame move, you're out mm -hmm. of range. Yeah, and it's got great ability keeping that tail of them kind of in the back. If I make a long charge with them, if I've run him, say I'm auto-running him six with a command just to make sure he's staying with them, he can run right in beside those guys where they're starting, and as they charge in, that tail's still sticking right around beside him. So he's lookout third. He's got the ability to buff him again right away on the next hero phase. He, it's just a little roaming pack of all these dudes are going to give you a bad time. Yeah, I always use the the I, whenever I um whenever I'm going to go for in for the attack, I always use the command point to get that six inch run. Like I always yeah. do it because um I need I don't want to have the distance between the squeak boss and the squeak herd. They're just too synergistic. Yeah, you keep all the attacks together. That that menacing block. The it, with this, it's not playing uh, spore splatters. The only way you're getting the plus one is with jaws and then potentially snufflers. But if you rack both of those. A full 36 if they're on something with a massive, massive footprint as well. 150 dice, six is a hit or a mortal in addition. I just did 30 mortal wounds. Goodbye, good night. And then you've got all this board space filler where Boingrots are fast enough to play in this void you're leaving. Essentially, is a big curve out from your deployment where that herd's menacing about and you've got your um, uh, stabbers kind of trimming your edges. Those Boingrots can just leap that line whenever they feel like they need to take care of something. Also, I just want to call out, folks, uh, 36 squeak herd is not 140 points. The app is bizarre. It has some weird reinforcement rule at the moment where it's not actually calculating the points properly. Uh, it is definitely not 140 points, so we'll blame the app on that one. Uh, if anyone is wondering where the marsh crawl is coming from and they're frantically looking through their book, it's actually an ally from the Cruel Boys, and its buff actually allows gets to benefit. So... Um, it's a great little ally piece, and um, you, you see it often in, in um, this type of list because the squeak herd can't uh, receive commands, but it absolutely can get this passive benefit from the marsh crawler. So uh, a good little call there, and the boingrots as well. Uh, they're the same thing; like they they, they cost more than one hundred fifty points. But yeah, three hundred for a block of ten now. Yeah, yeah, three hundred yeah. for a block of ten. But the fact they've got good armor save, they do mortal wounds on the charge with a little zap like the eels do. Yeah. Um, great little piece. Uh, your mm -hmm. squeak boss obviously helps with your herd. Um, your fungoid, as you said, you know helps you generate bodies and sling them back into the yeah. fight. And it's got it's got great health because uh, I talked about like the the math a little bit on. How many units do you want in for that shrine? Well, if I can resummon on turn two, three, four, five, because I'm rolling twice because of the warlord trait, 
I want four units that I'm theoretically trying to come back with. This plays five that can try and come back with. So you'll typically, this list will run out and say, I really don't have to summon. You know, the, the Boingrot unit that extended out because I'm playing defensively didn't get killed. If it did, that's finally my chance to try and bring something back into the play. And that, that Marsh Crawler just turns them all up to 11 in the meantime. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a great little piece. Um, anything else you'd mention on this on this list? Um, no, it's it's real straightforward. It's just that if you're going to build something around the Triumph, you may as well get it twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got the double Triumph there. So um, that is yeah. super helpful because pulling a Triumph, uh, it's it's useful, but you can only use it once. So having it twice and playing for it, great call. Really good call. You can kind of pick at my list now. So this is the list that I took and uh, recently went 4-1 with it, uh, dropping my only game against KO. But it's a bit more of a madness, which is my type of list, right? So this is a Bad Snatchers list with the Spellcasting Savant. Uh, I did go for the Indomitable, and luckily I mostly did get my Triumph, which was bizarre. Most of my opponents were 1990 or 2K, so go me. So what have I done here? I've gone Scragrub the Loon King. I've got a, a Squeak Boss. I've Fungoid Cave Shaman. I've gone the, which is the General, which is Loon Touched and the Staff of Sneak and Stealing uh, with the spell Hoarfrost. I had Moonface Moment as the Artifact as well as Merciless Blizzard. So this list used to be a double spell. So my Warlord was two spells. But at the last minute, I switched out to get Moonface in it. So I have an extra Artifact as opposed to spell. So... Not quite sure if I agree with it or not, but it worked at the time, so I'll, I'll keep going for now. And then a little loon boss on foot. I had 24 squeak herd, 40 stabbers, for, uh, 20 stabbers, gobberpalooza, spore splatter fanatics, and a mega gargant mercenary big drog fort kicker himself, big man. which is the gatebreaker mercenary. For 470, I thought this is a steal because initially I was building this list with a cronspine, and I thought, same price. I want to run a Mega. And I think I'm actually happier with the Mega than I was a Cronspine for that value. I did try running a block of uh, Trogoth Rock Guts, and I just think the Gatebreaker was better value for me for what I wanted to do with it. It's wrapped up, by the way, with Warlord, Entorian Acolytes, and Vanguard uh, as my three battalions. So... Um, how did it kind of work? What was I kind of doing with it? So the squeak boss with the squeak herd, very similar to what Dale just mentioned. I've just got 12 less squeaks than Dale, so um, probably not as much volume. But really the concept here is I wanted three key threats. My squeak herd, squeak boss is the um, is the threat number one. The moon clan stabbers with the um, spore splatter and the loon boss is threat number two. And then the Mega Gargant is threat number three. So I could Hoarfrost that to make its Gatebreaker attack go from six attacks to uh, hit to hit on twos, wound on threes, Ren minus three for four damage apiece. So that can be brutal. Or I could Hoarfrost those um, Mooncone Stabbers. And as I've already mentioned, get them hitting on twos, triggering mortals on sixes to wound through the Loon Boss. Um, the Gobapalooza being a, a wonderful utility piece could just like swing behind and support wherever it needed to be supported. Uh, much like Scragrod as well, could just swing and kind of support where it needed to be supported. But, and then the, the, either the Moon Clan Stabbers with 20 were either protecting wizards, taking objectives. They were quite independent threat pieces and could be regenerated at the same time. 
the madcap shaman was often hiding with the 20 stabbers as a deterrent and could blizzard if you came into combat normally you know very rarely can someone delete um 20 stabbers with their minus one to hit aura um especially if the gobba palooza is next to them to get another minus one so an all-out attack would have no value but um and then i'll just return serve with blizzard i would I, I wouldn't even need to teleport um to to blizzard them because they're coming into me i'm grinding them down with stabbers but um I really enjoyed the passive benefits from the the spore splatters, and um, yeah, that's kind of like what I was trying to do: three, three key threats, and a bunch you, of utility. Did you find that you moved in any specific shape, or was it really? I've got three independent sections that are just kind of dominating the territory. They feel like they want to dominate the latter. The latter. The latter. That's the, the thing. I've always gone. Uh, I've always. I've always looked at them like it's it's a shape. It's always going to be some kind of blob that I'm putting together with all these consistent big blocks of dudes, especially in gets because you've got 20s, 40s, 36s. That's a lot of bodies that can dominate a nice mid-board range. And if they're not something that's going to fly over the back of you or pop in from the edge like a goats, then you can just really say, I'm going to determine where you're able to go. And this seems like it could do that really well too. Are you an NFL fan by any chance? Yes, my right, my gonna... favorite team is one and zero. All right, well, I didn't know that. I'm I'm gonna make like a bad sports analogy for my American friends. Yeah. The way I see my my squigs, my uh my my uh, mega gargan and my my grots is they are my offensive lines. Like they're, they're they're my front line right now. I've got usually what I'll do is I'll have my mega on one flank, my squigs on the other flank, being the the faster of the builds, so mm-hmm. they can kind of compress and come into the flank i've got my grots which are in the middle of the board they are my i can string them out i can castle them up they are they are going to hold me as long as possible mm-hmm. then behind the scenes i've got scrag rot gobba palooza they're all my quarterback and my 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 little little ones that are going to swing depending on how the battle goes so if i'm compressing here or i'm winning the battle here i can swing and move around as i go and uh, support where needed. So especially because I'm like 100 drops, a lot of my opponents were going battle regiment or double battle regiment, so I could see where they were going, so I could respond appropriately to where they were going to be and have enough support threats um, to to respond to them. You know, you try to anticipate the battle, but if in doubt, you have that core of the middle, but they're Mm -hmm. fast enough to respond wherever I needed them to go. Yeah, your your team already sounds better than mine, but oh, the, trust me, my, my my sports team was like third last. So uh, oh goodness, my my, mine's not great up. either. My, 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 mine just wrapped up, and I, I, I got a, a lovely six month break from uh, from crying again. Yep. No, mine mine's just getting ready to disappoint me, but it's the same kind of feel. And I to to also make a bad sports reference, I kin it a lot to uh, uh, soccer because uh, I'm American. I'm going to call it soccer. Uh, wait, you're going to put this line up the board, and then you've got to have something in the back that's that sweeper. That's just your response. And gets is lucky. We've got such great movement. We can dominate a board space where we've got a front line, and then 18 inches back, I've got a back line, so nobody can teleport between me. And I can easily cover that 18 and get into whatever was in my front there. Yeah. It's just, it, it seems like the same concept. And that's, you struck on a, a vein that rings a lot with me is three, three good striking units, three good actionable packages. Uh, it, it, it feels like the right amount because I can respond in multiple places without still even fully committing. I still have one back there ready to go. 
and there's power pairs. There's always a power pair, right? And like Scragrot is like the ultimate kind of like swing because his spell can unlock so much value. Like, cool, I've got to grind myself out of combat or I need some help here. Scragrot, either his um, Hand of Gork, uh, the, um, his War Scroll spell for damage, whether it is, you know, Nick it, Nick it, a fight last, that allows me to kind of helpfully, hopefully dictate the terms of battle and him knowing the spell lore is um, very, very helpful. And yeah. um, Hoarfrost on the Great Gargant was a sneaky little one. Like, people didn't see that coming. They're like, what are you yeah. doing? And then, like, that Ren 3 for 4 damage a pop, um, shutting down Aspiring Presence. Um, yeah, it only counts as 5 on an objective, but it's one model. I don't have to worry about Battle Shock on it, um, which yeah. means I can put it into my 40 or my 20. Um, it has good movement. It does some mortals on the charge. Um, it is a great piece that can kind of help support where needed. It fills in a big gap for them, which is something that operates in a single focus. Because it's a lot of, I've got big blocks that need to get all of their triggers together and get in there cohesively. Whereas he can just kind of roam. He can just kind of go do his thing and hit somebody. Gives me raw, gives me, you know, monstrous rampages. Yeah. It gives me, it gave me a lot of utility. And I think moving forward, I'm at 470. I'm going to continue running it because um, it worked really well for me personally. Yeah, no, it sounds like a great pick. Being a Gargan player as well, I know how to use it. I know what to expect from it. It doesn't yeah. do as much. So you pile it in with something else hitting and then you go, ah, yes, he totally did that himself. It's a great, it's a great pinning piece. Like, you know, there's yeah. been plenty of games where like it would pin down Neferata and a Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon two on one where that would be ruining my army, but it could hold, it could hold. Um, but this is your last list. This is the King's Gits version, which has got the Madcap Shaman, Moonface Moment, Merciless Blizzard, um, Scraggy, a Fungoid Cave Shaman with Clammy Hands, Staff of Sneaky Stealing, and Hoarfrost, Squeak Boss, uh, 20 Stabbers, 3 units of Boingrot Bounders as 10s, uh, Gobapalooza, 2 units of Sneaky, snuff, uh, sneaky Snufflers, Warlord, Vanguard, 1990. So not playing against the Triumph as much. Yeah, the the first list it was great and it got me a lot of great results. The second one, this is where I'm looking at when I say maybe maybe I need to change that focus. Maybe the 36 squig herd isn't as absolute. People find solutions to it. It doesn't play into what's currently prevalent as well because god forbid, you know, five flesh hounds move into me in my hero phase. I sit there and go, "Well, that's not going anywhere." You know, this this attempts to get a little more mobile. It keeps that that nice number of three actionable striking units in it, but also tries to roll back into that versatility of the respawn. Because if I'm King's Gits with the two rolls at re-rolling, I can get six, seven turns back a game, six, seven units back a game, and this plays three that are going to be real important for you. One that's always helpful. Stabbers are never a bad idea. And then your buff pieces that can come back can play a different role. What I didn't think of originally and what I start to look at more and more and see if I see if it really sticks is the, the snufflers and the gobapalooza all have innate wards. Gobapalooza mm. starts at a four, goes to a five, goes to a six. Snufflers are always five and then they can hand out wards to you. So I can have five warding units on the board and those aren't necessarily the smallest things in the world. Gabapalooza is 15 wounds on five models. Snufflers are 12 on six. And because of coherency, they can stand in a nice uh, eight inch or so line. 
they can be that front line instead of having to be stabbers to where I can put my buff piece in a more forward position so that maybe since snufflers can't move if they buff, they don't need to. After I've gone up, something will still be in range that I want to buff that's further up the board. But they're also decently resilient, and when I respawn them back, they haven't lost any effectiveness. Because I can respawn Gobapalooza with the key wizards, and I can respawn snufflers. They don't care how many are there. They just want to be on the board. Mm -hmm. And so that gives me a lot more freedom for the kind of front edge I can make, especially in the current state, which doesn't seem to have a ton of alphaing armies out. Granted, Iron Jaws is going to get a bit of a, a rejoy where people dig that back out for a while. But even then, if the worst they're taking off of me is six sneaky snufflers that I can put back, I'm going to pick up those pigs, you know? And so the three the three big actionable units operate in that defensive cycle again. You know, we're we're playing our front line of realistically just the Stabas, maybe one leading Boingrot unit as far back as we can. And as the opponent eventually has to commit, you're saying, all right, turn on the Ren buff for this Boingrot unit because we need it. Turn on a Mortal Trigger because we need it. Give myself minus one to hit in the back so I'm safe. And then you lunge those boys out as strikers, just either over your line or into a single objective, wherever they need to respond. And then you've constantly got extra loads kind of rounded in the back. Because if I send one Boingrot forward to take care of something, or maybe even two, I've got one more coming back. And if you're gauging how aggressive you're being with them and how often they're going to get picked up, say, if I'm lunging one forward and I know I'm just picking up a screen but it's early and I don't have any other dead units, I'm fine with them getting picked up because then they're going to be what comes back next. I can keep essentially just rotating through forward thrown units. I'll be honest, I have not thought about snufflers in that way. I'm always thinking about them behind the line as defensive, but you, uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started, but it's a really good idea and I like the idea of using them as a screen, especially now that coherency has changed a little bit. And the fact that you can recycle them through the, um, the, the loon shrine. Now, again, granted you're using King's kits. I'm not, but the ability is actually, I, I like it. I, I like where you're going with it, it and it's, and it's worth the play. And even if it wasn't doing King's kits, losing, th bringing back three and not losing like a unit of 20 or a unit of 10 Boingrots, is probably a better trade-off um, for the way I like to play my list. So it's actually a good idea. It's a really good idea. It's interesting, and it's not absolute. You know, those sneaky snufflers aren't going to stand up to everything. But, you know, you think of some of the things that are more problematic. If I'm playing Seraphon, and they do 4d3 to my snufflers, because that's what's up front, and so that's eight mortals. Well, I ward on a five up. I'll get rid of two or three. I only lose two or three snufflers, one more in Battleshock. And then one of my three units for the rally target can be my snufflers to get my a potential area for the uh, buff backup. Mm. Same idea with corn. If corn's going to move up into me, I'd much rather have snufflers that aren't able to move because he's bloodlusted into me than uh, boingrots. It it puts something that is otherwise not being used, other than just its war scroll ability, into a positioning piece, and then moving out from there. But it could equally run into things if this if this does run into iron jaws. You really got to say, oh, maybe I need to just pick one of those snufflers forward and some uh, stabbers and <laughs> keep the others ready to go because they will they will mulch through it. Yeah, and you don't want to encourage smashing and bashing and mm -hmm. being able to soak up more damage. But it, it's a, it's a great alternative to this, 
and like you know folks if we haven't talked about your favorite unit doesn't mean that it's bad right any three of our units could have any three of our lists could have introduced grin crack you know if you don't yeah. want to run a, a unit of um sneaky snufflers there's 140 points you could put into something different or scale back the boing grots and add yourself a unit of hoppers like there's obviously a lot of utility in gits and um, it ultimately depends on what you want out of your army and how you like to play. And I think we've shown kind of three examples, Dale, of how you can play around with this. Hell, build around into shooters. Shooters could get you yeah. some um, – some. if you want to get uh, remove that corpse cart and you're worried about how do I reach the corpse cart, maybe a unit of 40 can help you disarm the corpse cart. Yeah. I'm not saying it's like the ultimate, but it'll help. It it's a constant struggle for me to look at something like this and go, man, do I really want all of that? Could I fit sports bladders in somewhere? What about other fanatics? They do good melee damage. That would be funny if they tried to finally mess with my stab of block and I instead just popped out and hit something, you know, it there, there's no way to go wrong. It's, it's all got a plan if you put a plan into it and then they'll work it out. My problem has always been, I always find I've got too many supports and not enough core, which is why I, I don't have snuffles in my list because uh, it was either like Snufflers or Gobapalooza, not both. But yeah. you make a good argument, like because you need support heroes, you need support uh, units, and yeah. you actually need bodies. Like that so. is the thing, because when you get into the power pairs and power triples, uh, half of your units or more are going to be those buff pieces. But if you're really that's part of the reason I try and keep those those wizards whittled down. You know, is I know I'm going to have other units that are providing my buffs up. If I go so heavy and I am trying to respawn, how many units am I actually going to respawn? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I see the argument. I see the argument. I've got a couple of burning questions coming from Discord, and then we'll kind of wrap this up, um, if that's okay with you. Um, Sounds great. All right. So uh, first question is, um, do you have any thoughts or advice around, I guess, the support units, given we're talking about, right? You know, you've got, you've got the Palooza, the Sneaky Snufflers, the Spore Splatters. Um, so we've kind of already talked about the Gobapalooza and the Snufflers. The Gobapalooza being a great wizard has a lot of utility in it. Uh, the Snufflers, obviously the ward, uh, the fact that actually we talked both of them being regenerable, mm. poor English there, uh, and being able to leverage their wards as well, maybe as an alternative. Is there anything you talk about the Gobapalooza or the Snufflers before we go to Sports Bladder? Uh, just what, like what they, what benefits you're getting from them or how well, they're like, just kind of. So, so the question was, and I, I think we could be here for 10 years on this particular question, yeah. is it'd be cool to have a breakdown of all of our buff units and how they're oh, used. Oh. So, gotcha. Like... The, the, the neat thing about um, uh, Snufflers, and I, I have enjoyed Snufflers since that book's come out, is they're just giving you more resilience. You're playing a million bodies anyway. Every gets list is over 100 wounds. It'd be great if you just added a third to that. And so they can operate as a screen. They can be moderately defensive. The only trick is they get stuck. But if your game plan really involves playing around those wards, you know, you can teleport them up board. So snufflers are that live longer, here's a health pool kind of deal that can make sure your key units, be it Boingrots or um, if you are doing something with a big stab a block, they get to stick around just way longer. So let's elevate a pitch here for a second. Let's say I only had one set of points for one of these support units what's our high level elevator pitch for the gobapalooza gobapalooza's defending while you're attacking you're getting rend and minus one to hit it's a great package 
for me, it's the two wizards. Like you get a lot of utility and getting two wizards in that unit that can do a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Snufflers. What's, what's the elevator pitch for the benefit of snufflers? Man, I love it when I've just got more health than I had a moment ago. And if I get extra attacks, I'm just living the dream. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm the, the ward, the ward that you issue to your, sorry, the, um, the extra attack on a roll of a six, five under the light of the bad moon is, is cream. The benefit really is that three plus or two plus of giving a five up ward. So putting it on that block of stabbers, putting it on something that needs durability, the mangler squig or the squig herd, um, you're paying for the five up ward ultimately. Mm-hmm. Everything else is like obviously benefit. Yeah. Um, Spore Splatters, one of my little favorite units at the moment, um, being cheaper than the Loon Smashers. But what's your what's your elevator pitch for the Spore Splatter? When they move pregame, you're going to get them into whatever position you want them to for either their blocking line of sight, typically not as relevant, they're buffing your attacks. And when you just get to say for a very cheap unit that, again, I can respawn and use again later, I can put a wall between me and my opponent that also buffs the damage I need to do to strike that unit of theirs, golden. Yeah, the fact that the the, um, the plus one attack is passive, you just have to be wholly within nine inches. doesn't have to sacrifice anything. It's passive. So it's hard to work through if you are trying to like move your grots up the board and then you've also got to get your spore splatters within nine, especially around the charge. You need to be careful of the charge and making sure you're in your nine. And the spore splatters moving 2d6 can make that challenging, which is why I prefer them as a passive buff where... My 40 grots are, uh, are static. They're going to absorb an attack. And then um, I've already set up the nine-inch bubble to, to give them the plus one. And then blocking line of sight to protect your minor heroes is also helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then probably the last one we talked about, you know, a little bit earlier is, um, is the Marsh Crawler, even though it's not a git um, support piece. It yeah. kind of is like an honorary git troll. But- they're the best cruel boy model because it's a get model uh, <laughs> it, it the elevator pitch is simple without a command point i've made my entire army hit better why Eight, why wouldn't i do that and then still be able to all out the fence 18 inch bubble holy 18 yeah on yeah, a moderately good. sized base like a heavy cab base very yeah i was gonna say one 18 inch bubble is very generous two uh it's on a big base so even more generous mm-hmm. cool uh, I think we've kind of talked, and obviously there's Grin Crack, which is like Fight on Death, which is another one. Um, other other units have their own little ways to like support in here and there, but I think they're the key ones. And yeah. it depends on what you need and what you're trying to do and ultimately what's supporting your strategy and those attack units or, you know, key pieces that you're building around. Yeah. Uh, are big spiders worth it to support other infantry? Um, I'll let you go first. If you take the simple one that doesn't have anybody on it, he's just like 180 points, that that could work. I think it's more of a battle tactic trick. Back when like the monster pack came out, they did that because then you had the monster in enemy territory one. This could get you an extra unit out of your territory for um, Intimidate the Invaders. This could be a unit. I'd have to measure his base to make sure he can fit Holy Within 6, but he could be a Holy Within 6 of an edge piece. I, don't, I think he might be. A, I think it's a one sixty, which is I don't just know. over. <laughs> He's think, just over I there. <laughs> I think it's one hundred and sixty mil, which is same as Alariel. And I remember when I played Cities of Sigma, you couldn't do Alariel teleport. She's from the a side little of the board. too wide. She's like it's like six point three or something ridiculous. But shame. I think, right. I'm pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah. It's also, there's a lot of the missions specifically about this pack where you need to go tag deep field objectives as your opponent moves into you. He's not that expensive to hold up until turn three or four when they've really moved up and then just put him back there to score. Yeah, we're talking the Skitter Strand, right? The Skitter, Skitter yeah. Strand. Yeah, 180 points. It's very good value. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also competing with 10 Hoppers uh, or another unit of five Boingrots. So I guess it depends on what you need. Uh, good to fit into a Battle Reg being a monster, um, one of our few. So could be a little independent threat piece. Yeah. Uh, I probably wouldn't. I, I wouldn't pick any more than one at most. Yeah, it it takes up a slot that could be a unit that respawns. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, spot on. Yep, yep, spot on. Do you have any advice for handling Soul Blight, OBR, and Seraphon? Um, that's obviously like that's a that's a probably a video <laughs> in itself, right? Like they're the, all different. <laughs> that's all the big ones. Um, you can kind of OBR less than the other two, but this is the they're the reason I think maybe the Mangler has a place coming back because he gets over that line and into the corpse cart into the necromancer. He gets over the line and into the slan and croak. If you can threaten over top of the buffers they're putting in front of you, they start to fall apart. And then all of your real meat can jump into these units without all those buffs and take care of them. Um, that being said, that's just one unit that techs into them. It's really the playstyle of you're very fast if you're playing squigs and you're very body heavy if you're playing grots. If you can use that to your advantage on the board, either moving around and striking those key pieces or out bodying on the forward edge of an objective, it becomes a scoring game that they have to try and tackle you with. And you've got very good tactics. If I was going to build a list um, to try to handle these three, let's say I was going to like a one-day tournament, I knew all three. Mm-hmm. I think the archetype I would need is I would need, um, as you said, the Mangler Squig, um, Loon Boss Mangler Squig to get into the middle and, and take down, whether it's like Catacross, whether it's the Slan, whether it's um, the Corpse Cart. Um, I probably need 36 Squeak Herd to do the volume of attacks to take out the uh, Amortis Guard, the Zombies, yeah. or, or whatever, like the just the I need volume. Yeah. And the, probably the last piece as well is I would probably need to take the Malevolent Moon Endless Spell because mm-hmm. turn one, I don't have the speed to sling and I'm not going to get all my benefits. So if I had the Malevolent Moon having a moon in the middle of the board or getting me the run and charge, especially for Seraphon, who wants to, like, pump me in between turn one to turn two, I could be a lot more aggressive than what they want to do to me. So to your point, like, obviously, objectives, yada, 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 but I think they'd probably be critical to to my success against those three armies. The nice thing is, aside from thinking, like, if I really want to screw with OBR, it's got to be a high-volume unit or it's got to be a high-rend unit. Because nine times out of ten, they're running those elite blocks. You can do the 36 squig herd. Or if you jump in there with, say, it's ten Boingrots, and you've given them the Ren spell from Gabapalooza, or it's six Rock Guts, and you've given them the Ren spell, those are both coming in on three Rend. That, that'll get through some stuff, and they're good quality attacks on enough quantity in the usual iterations, either the Trog Boss, Rock Gut block, or um, Boingrots on the charge so that you can get enough volume in the OBR to crack through those big blocks and then say, now what do you have to come back at me? Though if you run into Soul Blight and Seraphon, you can get away with a lot with just inserting that Mangler, or on that same block, they'll eat through those big bodies they put in front of you. If you're playing your Moon well, you can get the speed you need to hop over. If you're playing um, into the Trogs a little bit more, 
theoretically, this is exactly where you want to be rolling that uh, weight in as he kind of works his way around the backside to get into something juicy. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're the archetypes, right? Obviously, battle plan, set up. But they're the the things that we probably would have in our list constructs to help us counter and handle. I mean, they're the big dogs in the yard right now. So um, a couple of other quick ones is uh, set all the debate. Eight big spiders, a squeak swarm, a swarm of idiots, or all trogs. I love them all. Don't make me choose between my favorite children. (laughs) Eight spiders if you're the people's champion, a hundred squigs if you're my champion. (laughs) I'm a a swarm of idiot, guys. I love my squigs. Don't get me wrong, but I love my goblins. I love the swarm of goblins. So that's where I would have to choose if I played one. Uh, any competitive useful fanatics? And I assume we're talking about the loon smashers here, not the spore splatters. Yeah, I think they're saucy. If you if you really want to get tricky, there's that bit you had mentioned earlier where it's you can put the stab a line nine inches out and then they hop out within three. So that's a six inch charge. And you can run in there. And as long as you don't beef that, they're going to do damage and it'll become a nuisance. But I also think there's play out there for... If I'm doing very foot unit heavy, say I'm doing like the 40 stab a block that you've got with the wizard behind or something, and I'm afraid of what's going to come into me, they're not that expensive to stick a five in that can get a good round of damage before they get into you. The uh, So one, one player at my tournament, uh, Lorenzo, shout out, uh, I think he had three units of 10 Loon Smasher fanatics, and he just said he had an absolute ball, ripped uh, a whole bunch of people, um, for me, if I'm running Loon Smasher Fanatics, probably reinforced unit is what you want, so a unit of 10. I get nervous at Ren minus 2 with the amount of, like, D6 attacks, hitting on 4s, winning on 3s. So I always quite try to complement it with the Moonface Moment to get Ren minus 3. So Because, um, like, all that defense then brings it really to Ren minus 1 and the amount of attacks that would bounce off just with that, I want to make the most of those rend attacks to get through the damage. So... That's how I look at it. But yeah, I think and the change in the rules. So when the unit dies, uh, sorry, when the grot unit dies, it used to just be removed. Now that you set them up on the board still, I think there's um, there's some good play. Yeah. It could also give the potential for, um, if you really need those stabbers to be sticky, but you're only running 20s or whatnot, if they're dying and then those fanatics are appearing, you can still have something that's there in the way preventing your opponent if they're going to get a nasty double or just running into you. Yeah, it's a good deterrent. Uh, two two final questions and then we'll kind of wrap it up. Is uh, any play for the Loon Boss with Squig? So is it worth it um, even without the uh, all-out attack ability? So the Loon Boss on foot without Squig, um, when it issues all-out attack, it also triggers mortal wounds on sixes to wound in addition. The loon boss without with squig with cave squig, not the one on big mangler, just the one on on, on foot, um, doesn't have that ability. Do you like it? And is there play? What does the what does he do then if he doesn't cool. have that ability? So I like it for this one reason, and the one reason is at the end of combat phase. While I just quickly talk, bring up the rules. So at the start of the battle shock phase, you can pick one friendly gloomspite gets grot unit within three inches, and basically the cave squig is going to eat d three of them. Mm. For each mortal wound that the unit suffers, it adds three to the bravery. 
So if, if the unit takes three mortal wounds uh, from the cave squig, that's plus that's nine. nine bravery. Plus nine bravery to their current bravery, which is what, four, five? Four. Okay, so a stabber unit is bravery four. You're now battle shock th a bravery 13. I don't know why it would. Honestly, it's the things I'm thinking of are like the the time I'm always afraid of battle shock is when the Serathon player has hit my entire army. Well, if I've got him there, and they've killed six, eight, I can lose two instead of losing six. You know, losing ten maybe. But it, he's pick a unit, pick singular unit. Yeah, it's it's just, it's just one unit. It's just That's one the... unit in the start of battle shock. 110 points to pick your favorite grot unit that you have on the board to not lose a bunch more dudes when it's already getting zapped by something that didn't kill it is strange because it's it just sounds like you're planning for the worst and if you don't get the worst then he didn't do anything so like the way i like to use this unit so uh, clearly the loon boss on foot without squeak is superior in my eyes but I see this as a really good defensive one where I have 60 grots. If I have 60 stabbers, um, he, this, this loon boss at the back, uh, I pull my wounds from the front so I'm able to rally um, in my subsequent hero phase. I uh, issue that, take up to three wounds, adding extra nine. Don't need the triumph, or I can save the triumph for a later stage. Or if I've got two critical battle shocks to go with, I can do an in inspiring presence once, triumph or this, and and keep it up my sleeve. Is it critical? No. Is it good? Yes. If I ran 40 and 20s, would I use him? No. Yeah. It it has to come into a very specific point, and then I'm reminded that I could just command point the battle shock away. I mean, like there's a lot of there's a lot of things right now that have terror where, for example, you can't do inspiring presence yeah. within three. So if you've got like a unit of 60 and you're trying to protect them and you're not building into the regeneration, mm. yes. But in a lot of situations, probably not. And you're not seeing a lot of 60 these days anyway. Yeah. It's a lot of points for just some dudes. Um, cool. And actually, the, the last question we've kind of already acknowledged, like, can we have some visibility on some grot-heavy lists? Well, I've already I've already shown you a couple. We've already a bunch a couple. of dudes, yeah. There's, there's, I think there's some real meat to if you put 300 goblins on the board. <laughs> it's a lot. We just don't have the zombie spam. But... Is there any final final piece of advice or anything that you'd want to call out here that we haven't spoken about, about Gits, and um, maybe how you're thinking about your next tournament list? Sigmar in general, I think, usually rewards developing that plan we kind of hit on is like, if I pick an army to have to do one thing and I figure out how many points that just little package takes to be the core of my army and then fill out whatever gaps I feel like I'm missing if I need more objective control or if I want more spell denial in this PAX case. That's when Sigmar lists get good. And Gitz has so many packages and units you can take that you're spoiled for choice. It, it's the army of, do you want toys? Welcome to Toys R Us. We've got a million of them. Um, Bruin forward, they're all, all the sub-factions that can rock into more damage are always going to function. And then there's extra spice to be found if you can go big brain into bad snatches or king's gets, I think, where you can really start to lean into, hey, I've got I've got the giga brain on with all my mindless goblins. I think the key for me finally is that um, the list in gets, other than like squigs, unless like, you know, we saw, we saw squig spam, especially like two units of reinforced squig herd, right, whether it's 36s yeah. or 24s. Outside of that particular build, 
most of this is about how you play with the army as opposed to this army is autopilot is going to win you three out of five games on its own right there's a lot of like micro decisions that you need to make it's deployment it is you know the tactics and setting things up like it's a lot of as you mentioned giga brain thoughts because it's not an autopilot army so um which is exciting as well like i think there's some play with the 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 ale guzzler gargant you know with a 3d6 charge you know, there is a couple of things that we didn't speak about um, that I, I, I think there's a lot of tactics. And a lot of people just look at my army and they go, how do I beat this? Like <laughs> generally they look at me going, what is going on? And I don't create a list where it's like one linchpin collapses the whole army. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, cool. You, you take out this one thing. Cool. Yeah. I've got three more other things you've got to handle with. And, you know, with my list particularly, it's like Mega Gargan, Squig Unit. Yeah, you know, you're probably only going to handle one. Like, the other one's going to punch you back. You look at that mad thing and the like 60 goblins and all the extra guys that go with it and all these wizards, and you go, and he still fit a mega gargan in there? Like, what are you <laughs> it's just doing? so much like, stuff. How do, I, how do I unpack this? And uh, yeah. I think that's gits in, in general, whether it's mm-hmm. trolls, whether it's spiders, whether it's, well, not spiders, squigs, <laughs> trolls, poor spiders. One, poor one spiders. We've been so mean. <laughs> one day they'll get good. Maybe, who knows? Like, who in knows? The future, we can dream. I, I'd love to see spiders. Like, I really enjoy the aesthetic. I just I don't like do. the models. I, I don't mind the models. I think the big spider kit's really cool looking. It's got a lot of potential for, like, scenic bases. Not the spider riders. I'm talking the big spider is great. Small spiders. Oh, oh, oh the little baby guys. Yeah, yeah. You need an update. You need a little an update. interesting. <laughs> yep. Any shout outs? Anyone you want to say hello to or, or, or shout out um, before we kind of like close this off? Oh, uh, shout out to local Winchester gaming team of Dyson Men. Great group. Good guys. If you're in the area, get a hold of them. They're a big part of what I do and letting me get out there. And my local stores in the state of Virginia. Big shout out to you guys. You host a lot of great events for everyone watching. Make sure you support your LGS. Get out to those. They're a great way to get games in. Pay where you play. Uh, so mm-hmm. couldn't agree more. Uh, are you on socials at all? Are you on Twitter or X or uh, Facebooks or Discord? Like where, where can people talk to you and, and chat chat all things gets? I just kind of play the game, but there's uh, I don't have like a personality presence or anything. But if you're in and on Discord, there's a Virginia Age of Sigmar Discord. I'm linked into it a little bit, and I pay attention there sometimes. So if you're drawn for me specifically for some reason, sure, reach out, dog. I'm happy to talk. But um, yeah, your local community is probably more active on socials than I am. All right. Well, well, all right, well I'll segue into the fact that we have a dedicated Gits community in my AOS Discord. Uh, go check it out. Link is in the episode. Come chat Gits with us. Let's to unpack this. And we obviously have a new King model and some rules to go with it. So uh, there'll be plenty of chatter around how we make the most of this. So come join the community. Uh, Dale, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you, everyone who listened to this. I hope you got a few new ideas as we think about Gits in General's Handbook 2023. Uh, if you uh, want to support the channel, please like, subscribe. You know what it's like. We're just on the cusp of 20,000 subscribers. We'll be great to achieve that milestone. I might do, do some surprise things um, when we finally hit that milestone. But uh, something's planned. We just got to hit the milestone first. Uh, and thanks to the patrons once and all for all for uh, all your support. Uh, Dale, thank you again for your time. I hope you found this valuable. Leave me a comment in the comment section. Tell me uh, what you found valuable. Maybe there's something in here that we didn't speak about and maybe you're an avid spider person that uh, wants to defend defend the spiders. 
Tell me why they're great because I'm not seeing it just yet. Dale, thank you so much. Thank you, Coach. It was a great time. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you pressed like on the video as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spell cast.